Chalagiri up. Welcome to another episode of Link to the Cast. I am Dave Ryan, joined as always by the RPG Wonderkin, the startled Brian McNamara. Brian. What now? <laughs> How are you, sir? Taken aback. It's, it's your weekly dose of audio goodness from us at linktothecast.wordpress.com. Um so Brian, how has your week been? Uh well, it was my eight to four week in work, so I was up at six every morning. So not great, not great. Yeah, it's 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 a rare week where anybody is up earlier in the house Tuesday through Thursday than me. Um, usually the grim walk to the bus just before eight o'clock is my my kind of solitary torture. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you were you were up and gone out of the house before I was even up this week, so that was a it's bad it's time. a bad time for you, boy. But uh, on the flip side of things, we had a great time last Friday week. Uh, apologies for the um, the the couple of days extra uh, on top of the week since the uh, the last podcast. We were waiting until some major news stuff happened this weekend before we recorded. But uh, last Friday week, Brian, we enjoyed a little thing, a little special, a little national holiday. Certainly a holiday we celebrate in this house, uh, the Late Late Toy Show. Don't you mean our national recognition of Evelyn Cusack night? Yeah, well, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, Brian, for people who listen to this podcast who may not be from Ireland, right? How do you explain what the toy show is? Okay, the toy show is like, say, for instance, if David Letterman, <laughs> instead of having famous guests on to talk about their projects and things like that, had a load of small children in the studio to explain to him why the toy they've been playing with is the best toy and what they liked about it for about three hours yeah yeah now so, go on yeah. if you can imagine as well that I don't know how well David Letterman is with kids but if you, if you can imagine he's just he's terrible with kids just just imagine just that, imagine that. He's, he's, he's absolutely terrible and borderline inappropriate at times yeah so that's what the Late Late Show over here for those of you not in the know is I think it's isn't it the longest running primetime chat show in the world? Yeah, because right, like we have any contenders. Or yeah, like the, but you know what I mean. It is. It's the longest running. It's longer running than any of the ones over in the states and stuff like that. It's been running since the the sixties. Would it be? Yeah, they were since around the time RTE, our national as long as our, has been around. almost as long as RTE year there. There has been a late late show. Yeah, so it's this late night talk show. It's it got. You know, pe- young people don't tend to watch it, but in its day, it had a lot of very like cultural significance. Well, I'm putting like this not to go history nerd on it, but it it has been a very important show for discussion of taboo topics in the past. There was in a very no, conservative country. There was no sex in Ireland before Gabor and the original host and longest running host took out a condom and a banana, was it, or a cucumber or something, I, on the Late Late Show yeah. and demonstrated this. It, there was in in a country that was still at the time insanely Catholic. Yeah, there was was. <laughs> More so than it is now. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, we were still institutionalising women for yeah. getting pregnant at that point. Yeah. So. <laughs> rare old times. The rare old times, you know. Uh, diddly eye and whatnot. Lovely yeah. in Ireland. Um, but yeah, absolute national uproar. It, it's I gone feel a lot of people, it. like, a lot of people kind of gloss over uh, a How lot of Irish history. They, yeah, they, they go with the, the diddly idol aspect, the kind of the shamrocks and, you know. God, the Irish, they're a great laugh, aren't they? Without actually looking under the surface. <laughs> and it, it, it's the genuinely horrifying bath. Just, just Google Just the trail babies. of the dead. Like. Just Google tune Babies. Yeah, yeah. Don't Google that. No, don't do that. There's a lie entertainment programme. Don't do that. 
Um, but yeah, it's a show that in the past has had like a lot of cultural significance. Like, like you said, the, there's no, the, it's a popular phrase in Ireland. There was no sex in Ireland before the Late Late Show. Uh, the idea that like people didn't talk about sex in Ireland until the Late Late Show came around and started talking about it on the air. Uh, people didn't question the authority of the Catholic Church until the the Travascus incident on, which is another. That's a thing that isn't like you can look that up on on. It won't be too grim for you. Yeah. But the Travascus incident, things like that. Like, but in whoa, in our lifetimes, really, in the last twenty years or so, uh, the last massively controversial thing I can think of happening on there was um, Shane O'Connor, uh, just in general. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and like no, I mean like and her distaste for the Pope. Oh and... look, I mean like that was like a large part of the late show was like in the way that they do do in America, where the show is a vehicle nearly for the the host. Yeah. In the way that Gay Byrne, the original host, was such a powerhouse in Irish culture, such a yeah. seminal figure. Like yeah, it's gone the can now. Like. Yeah. Um, he was our Carson. Oh yeah. Basically, um, he. He was the human but, face of Ireland through generations. In the last few, in the last few years of his kind of reign of the show, and then the two successors that have followed him, uh, Pat Kenny, we don't talk about that period because he's a and, uh, robot. Ryan Tuberty, who's a slight improvement, but still nothing close. Um, because he's just it's, a, he's it's, just it's, a it's, it's actual significance has waned, and I think part of that has to do with the kind of like the it's still a very conservative country but not as conservative so like the the th- like just talking about sex isn't controversial on Irish and, television and as, anymore and as well and like, like not Pat Kenny not Ryan Tuberty um, are the person Gay Byrne was to stand up and be able to say no look this is what we're talking about no yeah 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 I don't right. give a shit what, what yeah. you big wig say this is what we're like, talking it's about it's funny Pat Kenny since leaving the Late Late Show has become much more of the like the the, the kind of person who starts asking tough questions yeah. and stuff like that it's a shame he didn't have that when he was on the show but anyway the toy show then right so as separate from this massive cultural touchstone that's been very important in Irish popular culture in the last 50 years the toy show is where once a year all that gets thrown out the fucking window <laughs> and for a night there's like they do up the stage like they, it's Santa's yeah workshop. they do up the stage like it's Santa's grot or something like that and basically they invite a load of children in uh, like some of them are kind of what we call here Billy Barry kids like you know kind of uh, trained child fame performers kids. They're, yeah, they're, they're fame, fame kids. kids they're basically fame kids now like their ages range from like toddlers up to like tweens twelve tweens 20, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and they come on and like in different groups like you'll kind of uh, there'll be a segment on the show where they talk about the real toddler toys so they'll have the really cute young people on there's always that one part where they have everybody on the, the new bikes and, and the new kind of go-karts for the, the year they section. all swing by one of them this year swung by and screamed up the ra they're trying was, to play it off like she said up the dubs because she was wearing a Dublin jersey did she fuck did she, she said up the ra like I remember like you said you saw it on Twitter that she said up the ra and I was like no way that can't have happened a child can't have shouted up the ra on live television in 2015 the ra by the way for those of you who haven't caught on yet the IRA right <laughs> which is why it's so fucking weird the kid not more she, than about 6 no she's 4 she's like 4 she was like 4 right? she's okay. tiny like yeah, properly tiny tiny like, child going by on a, on a, a bike, bike with stabilisers on up the ra right and it's the fucking weirdest thing like because we went and found a vine of it then and we just watched it for ages but um yeah so like this kind of happens there's different segments and it's so kind of like it's in some ways it's a parent's worst nightmare because it's usually right at the end of November presumably parents have got the kids under them they've started getting Christmas presents and this is when the kids watch the show for three hours and they're like oh I want that stuff as well <laughs> so then like the panic in the, the morning like the, from then that's kind of like 
for a lot of us particularly in our age group I think like we don't feel the Christmas season begins until the toy show has happened because that's when the mad rush starts at the shops that's when kind of like the first Christmassy themed thing will show up on television here you know what I mean there's Christmassy themed stuff in the shops since before Halloween but that's besides the point um, so like there's the highlight, different the highlight. stages in your life you enjoy different things about it like if you're um, a child it's the toys. You, it's the toys. If you're a teenager, I don't watch that shit. Uh, if you're a parent, like a fully grown adult, it's kind of like, oh, isn't it magical? Isn't it precious that our children are enjoying this now the way we once did? If you're in between those, <laughs> you're our age, you're like your mid-twenties, right? I'm you're already a whore for nostalgia. holding on to us being still in our mid-twenties, right? So if you're in your mid-twenties, if you're a college student, things like that, you watch the toy show because it is the most awkward piece of television. It is hysterically funny to watch it is like just the things like and it must always have been like this right it must always have been like this but there's always like a good half dozen things that happen during the course of three hours that is like ridiculously like just strange this year I was gonna go I was gonna go one of the uh, like One of the, the, the really awkward and uncomfortable things that happened several years ago on the toy show was the, I think it was the first one we watched when we moved here, so four years ago. Um, this girl came on, or maybe less than four years ago, maybe it was two years ago, where this girl came on, she had a dollhouse and she had the One Direction dolls. And she was explaining where they all are in the house and that Harry was up in the bedroom and that there was a doll in there with Harry. And then she switched out the doll, I think, and put in another doll and then casually explained to Ryan that everybody gets a go with Harry. Because <laughs> kids like, say the darndest things. Yeah, I'm like, she was like eight years old. There's no way did she mean what. Like, Or maybe she did and it's horrifying. I don't know. But it pretty much like went to a break straight away. That kind of stuff happens last year. Like, it, la- um, It's the stuff where you go to like a family event and you get roped into talking to your six-year-old cousin for 20 minutes and they want to show you their toy or talk about their favourite cartoon show and it's weird and awkward and it's kind of like, ugh. And this is that, but an entire three-hour television show. Yeah, live. Because you have, live as well. Because you, you have to, to remember as well live. that when the kids are doing this and when that little girl is saying that she's there explaining this yeah. to a grown man yeah. and professional top-of-his-game TV chat show host. Yeah, because like as well, at the same time, like I said, there's like performer kids that come on. They are not the kids that are on the, that are trying out the toys. No, no they're there to the do their song and dance. The, 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 yeah, the performers come out and actually do, the children do performances throughout the show and stuff like that. But fucking... The ones that come out and do the toys they're are not children tr- that have been plucked out of a fucking bog somewhere in Westmead. And they're brought into the studio. They've never seen lights this bright. And they're left away. They're kept away from their mommy and daddy probably for hours waiting in the green room for this kind of shit. And they have to come out and talk for five minutes about Action Man. Like, eh, eh, Yeah, you do get the and freezers. And then like, Ryan Tuberty tries to get them to be one and gets slightly thick with them when they're not presenting the information in the way he would like. <laughs> and like, and, like strange things happen because like, like last year when the there K- was K- this... K- thing. Yeah, this little girl. Her name was uh, Kayla and she was a black girl. And... Uh, Ryan Tuberty in the most it was a, awkward it was a stammering slip. doll or something the like most that, awkward stammering moment in history said is that Kayla spelled with a KKK and I I, I, I can't remember anything that happened after that I don't know I if he, if he on himself I remember just screaming at the television but uh, yeah so what were some of the highlights of this year's program now that we've kind of I think we've kind of explained oh the other thing the performances right Every year, and we were talking about maybe doing a drinking game for it this year, every year there is one performance where it starts off like it's traditional Irish kind of Cayley music, you know, there's fiddles, all that, oh, it's great, you know, Irish dancing, all that, John, remember Michael Fatley, wasn't he gas? That kind of stuff. And then 
at a certain point, right? Because the RTE like to pretend we're with the times, we're a cool nice modern, diverse community. You can see where I'm going with this. They'll trot out the token ethnic minority child to rap <laughs> or break dance or something. And, and it's always and there's only ever like one or two, <laughs> like amongst this sea of pale ginger faces, <laughs> like, and it's it's so uncomfortable. Like it would actually be more racially sensitive if they didn't do that. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like it's, ooh, it's a hell, it's a hell of a program, and we fucking love it. Like this, I this like, in the my Eurovision. throat was in tatters. I was laughing so hard, and yeah, it's this and the Eurovision for like cringy things we watch. And if you're a, not European of, and you have. Dipped your toe. If you're on the internet, you're oh, probably you probably start to pick there's up. There's going to be a Eurovision special edition of this show. Yeah, but like, I mean, I would think they'd be more likely to be like, because when you watch on Twitter every year, like, there's like Americans and Canadians that are like, you know, I don't know what the Eurovision is, but I'm seeing people I follow on Twitter freaking out about it, and now I've just seen, and oh my god, yeah, it's thinking similar terms to that is is how we react to it. But I think the highlight of this year, Dave, mm. just if I can hop in because I think we need to preface this <laughs> with explaining how this particular bit works is that over the years there's always been a tradition of having. Irish celebrities yeah or celebrities so like back when we were growing up it was, it was like big Irish celebrities Would be like, like I remember um, Bono on the Edge coming out at one I'm pretty sure yeah I remember it was like, Dave Burns last one uh, and Larry Mullins Adam Clayton brought him out a motorcycle for a gift yeah and, yeah yeah uh, Westlife uh, when they were big here and then when these um, kind of stars started getting older have kids that had them on with their kids yeah yeah like um, uh, I mean, there's been rugby players on with their kids mm. like and the kids are all shy and they're like this is the book he's reading this is the toy he's playing with and having to talk for them and that yeah. and I mean it's 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 not always been as good as some years now last year they, they hit Oh, last year last, last year. year was spectacular they were doing this there's always a bit in the middle of the show where they start showing oh these are the latest games consoles yeah so they had one kid out there and he was playing FIFA on the Xbox we'll say right and he's playing away and Ryan is trying to needle him for questions and he's like oh you know who who do you support at the moment and he's talking about how he likes LA Galaxy and I'm like an Irish child that supports LA Galaxy would you get to fuck <laughs> get in the fucking sea mate will you anyway thanks uh, and I was like who's your favourite player I was like oh because uh, this is the thing was like if you're not a football fan Robbie Keane had transferred to LA, LA Galaxy a year before maybe so everybody knew from the moment he said LA Galaxy everyone was like right this is a complete sell so he goes right who's your favourite player from LA Galaxy the child pauses for a second and says Landon Donovan <laughs> right <laughs> and Ryan kind of argued like, oh, you like Robbie Keane do you and basically the child went I used to he's not great anymore though kind of and then all of a sudden Robbie Keane gets trotted out and it's really uncomfortable then there was last year as well we had Ed Sheeran came out that's a pretty big get like yeah. in terms of you know contemporary pop stars around like from UK and Ireland and they, so, they, they, they did the same pretty thing. big and a the, very uncomfortable moment uh, it was as a, your the, one was doing like the Sing Star or something like that yeah, she was doing yeah she was doing Sing Star or one of these kind of uh, games it's a games podcast we should fucking know I think it was Sing Star because she had to sing with the microphone and he sang where was the thing yeah but, like, yeah and Ed Sheeran just like crept up on her she, I'd say she was like 12 maybe, maybe 13 or 14 I thought yeah, she was she was like she was, older end. End. She's she was the, the older end of children that would appear on that show anyway yeah and she had like an uncomfortably excited reaction to Ed Sheeran being there I think you, you described it Dave I think it was worse as we all had to sit there as a nation and watch that poor young girl become a woman yeah oh, it was so uncomfortable man it was so un- like oh god it, <laughs> it was, was oh god like it was just like just pan the fucking camera away like just yeah. 
she's got all a quiver here like she's, 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 she's just stared directly into Ed Sheeran as if she could absorb oh, his greedy and clung on to him for dear life like but um, um, but that's all to preface this year because this year there was two celebrity guests there was David Williams for 90 seconds who was there basically to plug his book and hand out paintings that he's drawn to small children for no reason and then which to is, undermine the fact he gave that those special presents to the, uh, the kids for everybody, one for everybody in the audience that's which the tradition on the toy show is that like every so often they show a thing uh, yeah and they'll go oh isn't that a cool thing or you know uh, you know oh look you know we got these vouchers and stuff like that and there's one for everybody in the audience which is why there's this culture of like you you get on waiting lists for years to get uh, on like, the toy show on the toy show in the audience because you get so much free shit off them you get like, hundreds and hundreds of euro worth of free crap but yes so we had David Williams on for all of 90 seconds and 2 minutes and then this child well it was earlier in the show because it was earlier was in the show yeah. but this is the main event the main yeah. event happens early on this right? kid so this kid out. came out and this kid they ask showing... what they're into they ask all the kids what they like and what they're into yeah they, and... yeah, they always ask and there's always one child every single year there's who's a... into the weirdest crap <laughs> there was that one kid years ago that became a Facebook meme in Ireland John Joe because he wanted to be a horologist he loved watches. He wanted to make watches for a living, right? Do you remember so he there was, was there like, was a, there was a posh kid who wanted to be a train uh, conductor. With yeah, his little brother called Ferdia. Yeah, yeah. Oh god, yeah, fucking Ferdia, man. Right, Ferdia was the chaw oh, of okay. names, as he said at the time. Uh, but so this kid comes on, and is like, "What are you into?" And this kid, all of seven, eight years old, right? Already got scoliosis. Yeah, and his path. passion and in life, his, his passion in life was meteorology. Couldn't every single day couldn't wait. Could not wait for the weather to come on. Why? I have no fucking idea. He made his own board game. Who he made his own board game. It was like snakes and ladders with isobars. Right? Which is I just like at this like I was already bleeding internally just watching this segment because I was like, this poor child. This I could I was fast forwarding to this child's twenty first birthday or his wedding. You know, where they went, oh, you know, he's had a tough life. He's had to come back from this. Cue the video <laughs> on the large projector that no one had noticed in the room until that point. You know, and then, like, you know, he could never show his face again in public. But anyway. And he was asked, like, who are his idols or heroes or something like that. And, of course, he says Evelyn Cusack. Who, for those who don't know, <laughs> is probably uh, our... Kind of famous news anchor equivalent of a of a meteorolo- meteorologist. She's she's the veteran Irish meteorologist. Yeah, but like that's a that's a low bar. So this, this is like <laughs> that's that, a low that's a bar. Thing that you're going to hear. <laughs> yeah. like, she's the top of her field, and her field is doing the weather on television, which yeah. is not the, the profession. It's honorable. honorable and serious profession that you have to work very hard for. Probably pays better than either of ours. <laughs> Absolutely, but yeah, Evelyn Cusack is his hero, and then well, maybe you'd like to meet. <laughs> Because she was probably just hanging around the canteen in RTE because she worked for the same television network. Evelyn fucking Cusack. And if you can so hear Evelyn Cusack, Evelyn Cusack comes out and that child was more excited to meet Evelyn Cusack than any child has been to meet a real celebrity on, on that show in years. Oh he my god. Oh, he became a man. Like, <laughs> he really froze. He, he froze. froze he got starstruck by the fucking trembled. weather forecaster. And she came over and she advanced upon him with his hands out. The way a granny advances upon you with her hands out if you take both your hands and say, Well, haven't you grown Just so with a much? vague smell of Murray Mints. She advanced upon and he froze like a deer in the fucking headlights. And she, she had her hand. 
Oh, and then she took him away, presumably, you know, to she, be her apprentice or something. And, and she hunkered down and tried to talk with him and ask him to show the game. Remember, they had, the, they had them both to side camera when Ryan was standing away. I'm actually crying. No just... Ryan was no longer talking to them. He had kind of turned to the camera, was doing a thing, <laughs> one for everybody in the audience. And the pair of them were still there in the cart, and she trying desperately to get him to show her what was this board <sighs> game you'd made. And oh, she's very. It's nice to hear someone, a young person, is interested in the weather. And he's just like. <laughs> I never came back from this. I never came back from this. The first hour show, and just for the rest of the night, Dave was utterly ruined by the concept of celebrity special guest, (laughs) Evelyn Cusack. The fact as well, right? You're like, right, okay, Evelyn Cusack being on is all well and good. Well, it's not. But look, I was willing to settle it. It was like, right, okay, the big celebrity guests are coming later on, surely. (laughs) It's like, no, apparently the entire guest budget was blown on a woman that was probably already in the building. And then... was definitely in the building because there was a weather forecast er- on earlier that night, I'm sure. But, like, and then the idea that, of course, it became a running joke that every time... Oh, any time there was, like, he'd... Yeah, any time Ryan would ask, like, us in the room, there was five of us in the room with... Five uh, men in their late 20s. With selection boxes and tatum. Watching the toy show. Watching the toy show. Uh, no alcohol. Nope. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Anytime he'd ask anybody, like he'd he'd do this thing, and like sometimes, like it seems like a setup. Like there's no a celebrity thing. gonna come out. He'd go, "Oh, do you like football games, too? Well, here's Robbie Keane. That that'd be how they do well, things they, traditionally. They, he so that, they did a really clumsy one with it. They had the kid, well, first of all, it was very awkward because they brought out a kid in a wheelchair yeah. to demonstrate some video games, and it was a weird bit where Ryan kind of wrestled with the kid in the wheelchair. Oh, oh yeah, Ryan, Ryan, and getting close to like just invading the personal space of children on this show was at an all-time high. Oh, it, was it was uncomfortable. It was rough. But um, and the kid was showing pro evo people. So it was a football game anyway. Yeah, yeah. And Ryan was like, you know, oh, like football games. How about rugby games? Yeah, yeah. He was leading on. Oh, yeah, he was talking about Paul O'Connell, wasn't and he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Paul O'Connell, famous rugby player, recently retired now. Retired yeah. now from bad injury and that like and. Uh, Obviously, prime person who's not going to be off training for sports and all is that. likely in Ireland. In Ireland, prime fucking celebrity and homegrown Irish celebrity, the kind of person that they would have always had would on pop the, the crowd as well. The crowd would love to see him. There'd be a big cheer, you yeah, know. Exactly, like, and I don't know, maybe possibly has a kid of his own. You know, he'd be old enough for. You'd have to assume he's nearly forty. <laughs> but um, what you call it? And then he, the the clumsy segue from football game to rugby. And uh, what do you think of Paul O'Connell and his, yeah. his bad injury and that? Like, and we were kind of go, okay, it's a set for Paul O'Connell, set for Paul O'Connell. No, wasn't. Well, first off, first off, it was a set for no one because no one came out. No one came out. It was but just such an anti-climax. In his armchair, fucking nearly dying of internal injuries, <laughs> but shit out his own spleen, going, "You like Paul, Paul O'Connell, do you? Well, how would you like to meet?" Evelyn fucking Cusack. <laughs> I just love the idea that's like, Jesus, we've got her here. We may as well get our money's worth. So anytime, it's like, hey, do you like reading books, dear? Do you know who read books once? Evelyn Cusack. Get her on out. Get her on out. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Let's drag this back to video games. Yeah, that was the toy show. Anyway, I generally, genuinely urge anybody uh, to look up to, uh, the surely toy show clips on YouTube all over the gaff. Oh, gotta be. But uh, yeah, for up the raft for the oh, we never even got to the young lad dressed in overalls who was a farmer that started rapping. <laughs> I just, uh, I, name Fionn or something that like that. That was that was, and he, oh, the best was no, the best, the bit that did me in because I was like, yeah, oh yeah, he loved John Deere tractors and kept saying, was it? Two, two oh, farm it? Oh, kids. It was farm so, yeah, there's always the farmer kids farm as well. Kids. That's another trope. And yeah, just to finish things off on the title here, this kid, this absolutely slayed me, right? I've I've seen kids try to rap on this show before. It's nothing new. I was chuckling away. 
he ends the rap by rocking a b-boy stance just folds the arms spreads the legs about and just goes yeah at the end like and i was i was done i was done at that point i was like i could have just gone to bed then i was done in but um yeah let's go to video games it's been the guts of half an hour since we started here so uh let's go to video games oh my god we could we could do a toy solo special actually possibly an idea for next year (laughs) anyway brian give us to start off the stuff we've been playing this week give us your fallout 4 update it's been awesome still enjoying yeah i find that as well in my autumn years i'm just like after a long day of work or something like that or if i've been up particularly early i just want to watch something i don't even i don't want to do something as actually passive but i have to pay attention to it as the thing yeah. Oh no, I've been like, I've been playing a bit more, I kind of, with Fallout kind of, I'm still kind of just floating around, doing some stuff, um, constantly wary of reaching that point where I'm going to lock out a load of uh, faction quests and things like that, so very cautiously proceeding as usual, um, went out and visited the Glowing Sea, which is a bad motherfucking time, um, so many death costs. Be- beware so of costs. spoilers, just in case. I'm just saying. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was. That was all I was really gonna say. It's, yeah. It's it's a nightmare place, and uh, there's where sadness happens. So much sadness happens. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm getting at the point now. I got to the point where I've met the Brotherhood of Steel, and I'm starting the process of joining them. Um, I said to you today, I'm worried about my Fallout Four experience. I have not in. I'd say I've been playing for about six, seven hours now at this point cumulatively um i haven't gotten to the point yet where i'm like okay i need to keep playing this game every time i finish a session i'm just like i could come back to it but i feel like i have to make myself come back to it the thing is we were talking earlier you were talking about you were waiting for that witcher moment where the story just says where you're just like you know no i I gotta know i'm 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 at the stage where the gate controls have become instinctive into this that's not that's not and the story has me hooked i'm in the zone for it because you know what you're saying like yeah you, in the zone to, but you need to kind of ramp up to doing a chunk yeah like that's I need what I need is something to give me a hook to want to come back to it yeah. you know what I mean when I finish you know like the idea like a TV show should always end with a reason to tune in next week yeah. that kind of a thing um like I found with Fallout 3 I can't remember what it was in particular because it's been fucking seven years since I played that game Fallout 4 or Fallout 3 had that uh, for some reason I did want to keep playing it whatever it was I, I there was something about it that made me want to keep playing it um, with Fallout 4 so far now maybe it is that it's trying to be a jack of all trades that there's so much to it mm. with the faction warfare the, the scavenging the story the uh, like the building your sanctuary and stuff like that like the, maybe that it's trying to do so much at once without nudging me in any direction at all See, no that's the thing like, like there isn't because I mean when I played The Witcher like I was I was playing a bit with Evens I was playing a bit here and there and then I mm. got seriously into playing The Witcher and I was just like the stories I wanted to know the stories and it, it nearly like when I did um, Parts of Stone like that nearly overrode my instinct to do everything first and then do the story yeah Brian has this thing in open world games or uh, big games in general uh, of like doing all the side quests mm. or at least most of the side quests before attempting to complete the story because you get all the extra weapons yeah you love being overpowered by the end of the game like I tend to do enough side quests to keep me in proportion to the level I need to be at for something so that it's like I don't know whether it's so that it is sufficiently challenging or just because I get bored of side quests when they get repetitive yeah well look I'm not either but like you'd be better at games than me so um you know I like that element of it and also I like to you know get my money's worth 
like the thing I'm gonna find about Fallout is, and I already find it like, um, this the main campaign is interesting. The faction campaign is in each individual. See, there's so much detail and crafting gone into every little fucking thing that you know there there's no the hooks aren't there like we're talking about. Like I mean, it is it's the kind of thing where it's not a multi-course meal if you yeah. know if I can put it like this it's not a multi-course meal where you have the, the starter or like a 17 course test the menu or where you have the each little bit and each little bit tastes delicious and makes you hungry for the next bit this is a wagon wheel a, a gigantic 30 inch pizza where you just have to eat the whole thing and yeah. you know when you're eating a pizza that's too big and yeah. you kind of you, you, you're doing it in sections moving slowly in and then you kind of turn it and you alternate and say well okay I'm gonna I'm gonna have uh it's too big to take the slices. You're gonna use a knife and fork. So you're gonna start at one side. And you're gonna work your way, and then you're gonna move on either side. Say, well, no, I'll go from the inside out and not do the crusts because I don't want to fill up on the crust. You know, and I'll do good toppings in the middle, and you know that kind of way. Yeah. It's it's, it's all of it's right there on the plate in front of you. Right. So the difficulty then is that you know it's overwhelming a little bit, and there isn't that specific sweet. You plugged out the microphone. I know. Could have told me that would have stopped talking. Sorry. Hold on, let's just stop this for a minute. Okay, sorry about that guys. A uh, bit of a technical hiccup there with the audio mixer that I use. Um, yeah, so that's the that's the Fallout update. Uh, some other stuff you've been playing, Brian. You took a, a journey into a game I didn't think either of us were going to end up ever buying, but we both did in the Black Friday sale. You see, the thing you have to remember, Dave, is you did get that game. Yeah, I did. It didn't work. It didn't and work. And then when I finally did get to play it for a little while, I didn't like it because there was nothing in it at the time. Got rid of it. And Listeners, can you guess what we're talking about? Yeah. Brian, you've been playing Destiny. I have, yeah. Tell us about Destiny. Um, now that what I am led to believe about Destiny at the moment is that there is enough DLC packed into it now because you got the Taken King edition mm. so there's enough DLC in it with House of Wolves Taken King and all the sundry other stuff that's been added into it and the kind of the patching that's been done to it to get rid of some of the dodgier stuff that it actually now finally after a year and several expansions feels like it's an actual game uh, so tell us about your early experiences with Destiny um yeah, sorry, like it's a competent shooter. Um, I can, I'm very early on in it and it's kind of strolling around. You see everybody else's level beside their name, put above their head and everybody's fucking level 35 plus and that. And you feel like, okay, I'm going to have a lot of grinding to do before I can actually experience the truly awesome parts of this game, if there are there. Um, like there's a lot of kind of still figuring out my way around, figuring out how this whole thing works with the whole buying selling gear and stuff like that looks damn pretty the gear looks pretty pretty um there's pretty pretty pretty, pretty. uh there's that some jiggly sand has it <laughs> that jiggly sand uh <laughs> uh so um what's got yeah now you've fucking thrown me off you bastard um <laughs> yeah uh, it's i found it at the moment early on it is holding my hands so fucking hard yeah like um as in don't go too fast now don't hurt yourself um, See, I think part of that might be left over from their original idea was that this was going to be a persistent 
game for 10 years. And I'm not, now, I mean, like, that I, is being abandoned very quickly because there's already talk of Destiny 2 coming out within a couple of years. Like, and I can, you can see that scope in there. Um, you can, you can see the, the size that this is designed for because, like, there's the kind of first section of the map that you deal in. Like, I've revisited that about four times so far for missions, but for different aspects of going back to that same map for different quite valid and actually interesting reasons and i haven't gotten bored yet business because it's it's just one of what i presume is many many maps and sections it's yeah. the old russia map and like, yeah, i've been there about four times not bored of it yet i've still found yeah. new things now like it is a bit samey where the spawn points for enemies become monster closet kind of it's very like and there's you know there's objectives and patrols that require you to kill certain amounts of monsters you have to just walk away from the same point and walk back and respawn again and um, I'm kind of like I th- I think there might be a really good game in there whether I have the patience to wait around to wait around and to like grind apparently like the through. Taken King uh, was it when you get to the end of the first chunk of the game the game that was there the base the, the raid called Vault of Glass I think it is well, that's supposed to be amazing then House of Wolves the first expansion pack is supposed to be grand and then Taken King is supposed to be like Fuck yes! Yeah, like I mean, there is. When, I don't know if you booted it up yet. You do. No, I've been you do so much. Pick up literally a token that allows you to skip to level twenty five and unlock the Taken King, and yeah. just go there immediately. Yeah, you which, didn't do that. <laughs> am I ever going to do I'm not going to do that. I'm going to fucking get my yeah. money's worth out of it. Um, but as well, like the thing, and the thing about Destiny at the beginning was the thing that made me reticent to go near it was the idea that okay, it's, it's, it's like wow, it's a big multiplayer thing like you know when I yes, like all, all that's the what I was going to say as well like have you been kind of uh, sticking around with a few people nope. or have you been just doing your own thing well, well no see what happens is the maps that you go to like like every time I revisit that old Russian map people are already there doing their own shit like yeah um, so like I like all the missions like I've done so far one to, fire team one to three players is the size of it so I pimp out and next you know like I was like how am I going to manage this on my own like next, I pimp out the first time I'm heading out and next you know there's two other players I've never met before out there running around with me doing their own thing and I was like alright grand um, I didn't talk to them I didn't know how and I didn't you don't feel the, want the, the need to communicate to make a strategy or anything like well that. no because like these guys were just see the, the way they've done it is they obviously don't want to exclude people who, who want to play it solo and that like but yeah. at the same time, if you require some backup or that, like it's gonna throw people in at the same time in the same mission, more or less. But I mean, you can all finish it your own way. Like I, at the start, we all spawned in together, and they were clearly just running around farming for the XP or something like that, blasting random bad guys. So I had to fuck on and do the actual mission, and like I ended up fighting the boss in the mission on my own. And it's kind of like it wasn't too hard. It was you know, it was appropriate level and that. Like but I was kind of like this would be a lot more fun if I had two people I actually knew on here on headsets, fucking talking what to do. Like I yeah, used like to do, yourself and myself were battering around the like, place on it. Like yeah. I used to do with Malloy and Shane on um, Battlefield Three, where we used to have fantastic crack in the Paris Metro and me channeling Zephod Beaverox running around going, "Woo, come on, fire a missile, do some damage." I'm sure you didn't bug anybody doing that. <laughs> we ended up making at least one friend of a guy who got thrown into our squad randomly who thought that was amazing. He had a great time with us. But, like, because we played it seriously as well, like, while being silly. And, like, you yeah. do the tactics, watch my six, take left, we'll flank here, and that sort of thing. Like, so, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what it'll be like if 
you and I pop in together and yeah. if that'll be a much more improved experience yeah I think we'll do that at some stage we will but, but you, you definitely not warded off it yet we'll play again we'll check it out again yeah definitely and I've, I've gone a couple of times and I mean like you're hearing that like your character looks really sweet like the, yeah. the art design really it doesn't good. feel barren like it apparently used to no you can see where it was barren and yeah. there's a couple little bits of you artwork kind the, of like kind of, you can see the patchwork you can see the empty space where nothing was and now there's something but at the same time there's been one or two little bits where it's kind of like okay I can see the empty space and good on them now filling it if, if this was once empty space but it's you know it's putting one chair in a dining room yeah. do you know that kind of way it's not as full as it could be it's no. just we need to put something there so let's put thing A there yeah exactly okay. like Um. so then as well this week Brian uh, you sat down downstairs yesterday with me. Now Brian is not the uh, horror game buff I don't enthusiast like being uh, celebrant that I am. I don't like being scurred. All right, you don't like being scurred. Uh, but yesterday I sat you down because I was like, I I booted this game up for five minutes, played it, and I went, right, I need to see Brian play this game because this is gonna be worth my twenty quid alone. Uh, I brought down the PlayStation, handed you the controller, and booted up a game called Soma. Which you might have seen, uh, PlayStation 4 players, you might have seen on the PS Store. Um, it's a survival, a first person survival horror game. Um, I don't really want to say much else about it right now, so I'm just going to throw it over to Brian. Because I want to see Brian's kind of impression of things as the kind of like, because... I'd get stuck in the tropes and stuff like that, being the, the horror game guy. So let's see. From the outside, looking in, Brian, how was your experience playing Soma yesterday? From the start. Nope, 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 <laughs> nope, nope, nope. I don't know if you... Like, I mean, I, I've, I'm i very easily scared. Um, I have a really... Like, I love games. I like immersive games. I love and hate when games throw you into a very immersive atmosphere where there's clearly if not danger then the threat of danger the implication of danger and heightened tensions and i love my games i love particularly games where i don't really like sports games or like racing games like games where you fight and make things dead yeah uh with guns or swords or whatever like i just it doesn't i'm not a violent person i just i enjoy that kind of action and excitement and that so when they take an incredibly atmospheric and scary atmosphere and put me in it and don't give me anything except maybe a torch or in this case a fucking fuse tester um yeah the, the that you had to go and find first um yeah, the, the classic example i always throw back to you is um bioshock the, the bioshock that bit where you're in the bathosphere when you arrive in rapture and the is it someone new the first thing you've never seen me play that have you no i haven't but even just looking at your face whenever we talk about it i can tell that you just can't deal with it like have you ever seen like in a silly comedy horror when someone does a thing where they, they wave their hands in the air and they kind of run to the right run to the left run to the right run to the Zulper. left yeah, and like, and like, it's literally like they're looking for a way out, something to do, and you're just like, <laughs> yeah, you, you panic, sure, and you right. and you're panicking. You look left, right, you're not seeing anything, but maybe there's something there that'll help you. That's that's me. I don't know if you noticed in Soma when I had to go into a dark room, and then for giggles they threw in some creaks and noises, like there might be something in the room or approaching the room from the outside behind you. The way you just came in, did you notice I backed into every corner? Yeah, so that not I, only in the game, but in your chair. <laughs> like, uh yeah, Soma is incredibly atmospheric. Yeah. I mean... Which is, uh, for me, 
that's the thing. You nailed that in a horror game and everything else is just kind of uh, window dressing, really. Like, I mean, it doesn't really matter what the gameplay is yeah. so long as you're sufficiently fucking terrified. In fact, sometimes in Silent Hill 2 is the classic example. The worse the gameplay is, the better because if you can't, it, like, if it isn't really easy for you to swing your weapons or aim your weapons, it makes it even scarier because it's like, there's something coming towards me and I'm not even confident that even though I have the gun that I can shoot it with the gun, <laughs> you know? Yeah, oh no, I, I I can handle that one. It's just when I don't have the gun. Yeah, uh, um, you ha- you get this thing. It's called an Omni Tool, which basically all it's for is opening doors and opening like toolboxes to get different chips to do different things. To it's get, worthless. To, to basically, access new areas is it's all worthless. it's for. Yeah, as an offensive weapon, it is completely useless. I mean, if that was a real life scenario, I mean, I'd probably shit myself and stay in the corner of the first room and not moved. Um, yeah. but. Yeah, I mean, you, I, I'm upset that there isn't a button for beating people over the head with it. Yeah, now basically, you, we'll reel back here. You play a guy who has some sort of weird brain condition. You don't know why at first. Um, and you have to come in for a brain scan. There's these people who uh, are going to scan your brain and try and uh, Find repair your brain. Find uh, a cure. It seems. You go into this thing. It's a helmet that goes over you. You sit in. It's very like the opening to Ether 1. Hmm. I find where you're in some sort of company this weird kind of well you go to this what's clearly a derelict office building and um, you know everything's kind of like it's at the very beginning of something being set up or it's the implication that something's very temporary has been set up yeah it's it's, it's unsure of which and then you meet Dr. Munchie yeah uh, the guy you've been in correspondence with to arrange this whole thing and I think the the first rumblings for me were will I say it yep yeah, the part where you call him Dr. Munch and he says, no, 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 mister. And I was like, whoa, hold the phone. Yeah. You're going to do some the brain scanning gonna... on me and, and, and no, you're mister? The guy that's going to be twisting my mind grapes isn't even a doctor. I, yeah. I didn't I didn't like the sound of that and he was like, that's like, said like it's okay, like it's no big deal. Um, yeah, and then shit gets weird. Yeah, so basically you, pull, you sit in the scanner um, it goes over your head, uh, full helmet. He starts asking you a couple of basic questions. Then the fucking thing shorts out. It gets black for a while. You regain consciousness. And all of a sudden, you wake up basically in Alien. <laughs> yeah. That's what it feels Pretty like. Pretty much. Right? So, like, you know, kind of... You can picture the scene. Like, metallic corridors. Darkness everywhere. Um, noises. Suspenseful music. Uh, Brian is rambling around. You try and figure out how to get out of this room first. Which Brian very quickly figured out. You have to start rambling Did around. I? What? Did I? No, you like... got out of that little room with the fire where you broke the window. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah you got out of that because, like, that was a, a, that took me a couple of seconds longer because I thought you had to do something with the tool to open the door but couldn't figure out how. Um, so you got out of there and then you have to go and you basically have to find... Uh, what the fuck is it? You have to actually... Oh, yeah, that's what it is. You have to find the tool. You find the tool and come back to the room, right? So, Brian, you're rambling around and what kind of stuff do you start to see? Would it, like, stay a bit vague here? Like, if you were just to kind of describe it without kind of... Because we have a theory as to what is going on, but we'll stay away from that. Uh, but, like, in the very early parts, the kind of things you're seeing. Everything's kind of trashed. Yeah. Um. Something bad's happened. Something really Something bad. real bad's happened. And, um... There... Yeah, this place is clearly in a bad way. Um, there appears to be the implication of bioorganics, or sorry, biomechanics. Uh, yeah. There, there are things that I, I'm still not sure if they're, they're, they're animal or. or there are machine things or... that are like coming out of cracks in the walls that look like tendrils, but like robotic tendrils. 
but there are also things that are like pulsing and there is you put I your finger think, in them yeah I think, one of the, <laughs> I think one of the weirdest things that you saw was like the tar like blood dripping from the ceiling yeah if we're assuming it's blood right um then there's yeah there's these things that look like buttholes that if you like interact with the butthole this is the fucking jesus I know where this sentence is ending And I just have to say it Because we're just going no, 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 no Can I just please get this sentence out Because I don't want to have to repeat it again <laughs> When you interact with the butts The butthole Weird stuff happens <laughs> Right But you see The thing is I can see why weird stuff happens Because the very first time We found a butthole We poked it And you just kind of You just kind of poke around The rim of the butthole Oh dear lord uh, But the more you poke each butthole You can dear only lord, poke people each People are but- talking People are talking You can only poke each butthole once but the more you poke buttholes oh my God. In, in succession, the the more adventurous you become <laughs> to the point where we were we were like what we're about an hour in and we were I think at the point where I had handed over control of you because I couldn't handle it anymore. When you go into go pull, poke a butthole, you properly fisted the fucking thing <laughs> up to the fucking wrist in these weird alien yeah, biomechanical it probably, it buttholes. Probably broke the tension a little bit that we so quickly said that they were buttholes because then it became funnier and funnier as it went on. But um, you start encountering some really weird things going on and you figure out that you're not where you think you are at the start, nor are you when you think you are or who, or maybe even necessarily who you think you are. And there's a whole kind of playing with uh, reality and stuff like that. We played, I'd say we played a good three hours of it yesterday, nearly. Um, so we got a good chunk into it. Uh, for not a horror game fan, Brian, recommend it? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I really love the thing I kept harping on about, the sound design in it. <laughs> like like yeah. the music and the kind of the, the effects and like just for creating that atmosphere that we've talked about a couple of times already here um, is absolutely fucking excellent. Um really really like Soma glad I purchased it uh, a bit annoyed I didn't purchase it when it was on the PS Plus discount but fucking that's besides the point uh, one of this I don't like horror games because uh, the the commutative emotions that you run um, really I'm not equipped to be able to handle it well mm. but it's like it's kind of like that adrenaline junkie thing like I can't really handle it but I fucking love it yeah. uh, and when it's done well you know oof yeah, it definitely. Someone looks like it's going to be an amazing game. Yeah, I am looking forward to getting more into that. We might just uh, mess around with it again. One getting deeper into buttholes, Dave. Right. <laughs> um, and like to kind of segue towards the stuff I've been playing. Then um, something we've both been playing is a nice bridge between what you and I have been playing. Explosions. Yeah, just, just cause three came out last week. Uh, yeah, and I picked it up. I've been playing it all week, really. I watched um, it play for about five minutes and I was like, then I bought it. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, Brian went and bought it last night and he's been playing it a bit today. Um, so, early impressions. Um, cool guys don't look at explosions, do That's the first thing. It is, it delivers uh, on exactly what it like. It is the perfect palate cleanser from very serious games like Fallout and stuff like that. Yeah. Where it's great to be able to just, like I was saying to you earlier on today, you can log on blow a bunch of fucking stuff up in the coolest ways you can think of because the only limits really are your imagination Mm -hmm. Um, blow it up as cool as you can possibly imagine and then um, just log out again you've done your bit get out of there Mm -hmm. Um, it's a fun kind of sandbox to play around in Uh, being able to parachute wingsuit uh, call in supply drops uh, 
having basically godlike powers, it's very hard to kill you uh, in the game uh, for your character to die. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Liberating settlements is great. Being able to blow up statues, things like that. Um, there's a nice bit of like it's kind of frustrating sometimes when stuff is like hidden around the villas it's hard to find to blow up to finish yeah. off liberating but like after a while like because I've done I'd say the guts of 20 of them now at this point uh, it gets easier because you, you get to notice the kinds of places like I reckon if I went over there that's the kind of place that they would have a transformer in kind of thing mm. you get to know how these towns are laid out um uh, the story missions the story I don't really give a hell of a lot of fucks about like it, I've chuckled at some of the things that are done in the story like the very first uh, mission really introduced you to what Just Cause is like you're walking along the wing of a plane while you're firing rocket launchers at things uh, on the ground so like that's that's a real kind of nice introduction to Just Cause there um, but like in terms of the story that doesn't really matter it's all about the fun you have in the open world the story yeah. is just a way to progress to get upgrades so you can do that better I um, do have a little bit of a problem with the, how, how the upgrades work okay yeah that is the RPG Wunderkind this is yeah. your this is um, your Straza because you blow shit up and you kill dudes and you get your chaos points or whatever I have yet to discover what these are fucking for because uh, on a leaderboard mainly yeah, that's not great, really. Um, <laughs> because the game has mods or upgrades yeah. for better grenades, special grenades, grenade capacity, nitrous for vehicles, stuff like that. And you have to complete their shield challenges to do them. Yeah, like oh, the, like those again, cha- like those challenges are nothing new. Like they've been in every fucking Far Cry game that's since Far Cry Three. Like and you know road races and wingsuit things and frenzies destruction. It's just kind of like. Yeah, they can be interesting, but they're going to get real samey, real fucking fast. Mm. And if you're like me and you have your strengths and you have your weaknesses in a game, yeah. I'm not good at racing. But then again, like what I will say to that, my counter to that would be that the racing side missions unlock upgrades for cars. Yeah. So if you're not good at racing, you're not going to be using the cars, so you don't really need those upgrades. What it is in you there. that it, no, yeah, what it is in you is that RPG guy, that completionist aspect of I want to do all the side quests. The the same Brian who has still held on to Lego Marvel and wants me to do the uh, the Silver Surfer races because you can't do the races, but you want that platinum. Fuck off. But I'm saying that's like that's the, the mindset is it's not so much that you need the upgrades for your car as well, funny as it would be but, to have nitrous on a helicopter. But see the thing is like as well they're, they're definitely it's the kind of game where I've already noticed already there would be times when it would be very useful to have nitrous on my car or on my helicopter or yeah, on my maybe, golf yeah. buggy. Like they don't they're not they're not frivolous upgrades. Like you know frivolous yeah. upgrades would be like you know being able to paint your gun pink and shit like that, which lots of games do. Um, cough, cough, uh, Army of Two. I was going to say GTA, because like, we painted all our weapons pink in our gang. Yeah, but how hard did you have to work to unlock that upgrade? Oh, it just cost money. Yeah. Was it? Was it? Was that game called Army of Two? Do you remember the one with the two? Oh, yeah, Army, yeah, I remember Army of Two, yeah. Yeah, that was what it was called, a piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that had shit like that, but you had to pay for it. Or unlock it. The cover art for that game was pretty badass, though, at least. Yeah, and then that game was really terrible. All it had going for it. Yeah, so that's Just Cause 3. The uh, the two things that I would say that are kind of uh, drawbacks about it. One, the hideously inconsistent loading times that's <laughs> happening. 
Uh, some people, uh, I think it's Digital Foundry, uh, these guys who basically analyse the specs of all new games when they come out and stuff like that, have noted two important things about it, that load times can last up to about 15 minutes, uh, just loading back into the world after you die, uh, which is quite something. Like I remember on this show freaking the fuck out about Bloodborne taking a minute to reboot you into the world. Um, so 15 minutes is a bit now I haven't experienced anything like that I think the longest I've experienced is about 40 seconds to a minute uh, rebooting into anything or retrying a challenge but you've had ones that lasted a couple of minutes yeah uh, resetting or exiting out of a char- challenge or that like it's it's it seems to be in some ways um, it depends on the one like because I went to do a helicopter frenzy one and it was literally waiting fucking ages and then I went to mm. do a bomb run one with a quad bike and it was right in immediately like yeah um, now a lot of people have suggested that possibly that's an issue to do with the server side of things mm. because of this online leaderboard thing that it's trying to hook into that before it loads into the the actual challenge or whatever mm. and even when you try to take the game offline whenever you go into a challenge it tries to reconnect with the server and stuff like that mm. so they reckon that might be what it has to do so like hopefully a patch comes out soon that helps fucking alleviate that problem like Bloodborne was able to release a patch within a couple of weeks that was able to have loading times uh, in that which was uh, invaluable to people playing that game because you die a fucking lot in Bloodborne as well I know from the part the bit I've played of it but um, the other thing then is the frame rate another thing Digital Foundry had noticed so haven't found that not once yeah I uh, I've noticed it slow down a little um, sometimes when there's a lot of stuff happening but Digital Foundry were finding... Do you know how low the frame rate was dropping according to Digital Foundry? Seven, Seven frames a second. Uh, particularly, uh, they noted, when lots of explosions were happening. Which is trouble in a game where the main point of it seems to be to blow things Explosions. up. As big as possible. So, yeah. Like, I'm enjoying it. I'm having a hell of a time. Uh, I My playtime would be made uh, a lot more fun if I wasn't constantly worried about oh is this the time where my loading is going to take ages and stuff like that yeah. like if we get that patch in that smooths out that kind of stuff aces then I'm thoroughly recommending it but uh, yeah I'll keep playing it I'm having a good time It's uh, I have chuckled and chuckled and chuckled as I have wingsuited head first into many cliffs um, trees man there is, there is quite a knack I can avoid thing. the cliffs it's the trees uh, then a couple of other things I've been playing something I wanted to talk about on the show last week Hadn't we hadn't really the time last? We don't really have the time this week. Yeah. But I'm gonna fucking do it anyway. It's on the list two weeks in a row. I'm not bumping it again. Uh, I've been playing Rise of the Tomb Raider, Brian. So finally, uh, a reason that isn't Sunset Overdrive to dig out the Xbox there. Uh, that game's really fucking good, Brian. Yeah, uh, you watched me play it for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we both, you more so than I, we both enjoyed uh, Tomb we Raider. Enjoyed the Definitive Edition. Yeah, the 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 reboot that they did a couple of years ago that came out on PS4 last year. Um, yeah we both enjoyed that you enjoyed it more so you beat it did you yeah yeah I played it for a few hours I didn't beat it oh, I did I, um, I liked the story now, and the gameplay was very good with uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider they haven't necessarily reinvented the wheel but what they've done no, it looks is, like more the same yeah, but that's a what, good thing but what they've done is they've actually like, they've taken that and they've made that like the core game they've made it bigger so like the the kind of the areas you're in are fucking massive in this they're mm. way bigger than they were in uh, the last game uh, on top of that they've added in because I think one of the things people criticised the last Tomb Raider for not having enough of was tombs I think it was four tops in the last one I tombs think, I think one of them was a DLC one but now like anyway. in, now like in each subset area from the wider area there's like 
two or three hidden what they're called challenge tombs mm. that if you go out of your way to find them because they are some some of them really really difficult to find mm. um, like it really requires a bit of guile on your part um, if you find them they're incredible like puzzles uh, you get through and uh, your reward for getting through is like a special upgrade that you wouldn't get through the main course of the game otherwise because yeah. I think the last one was what was it, like a dozen map areas and like four tombs and I think it was four tombs and a fifth it was a DLC one that was glitched that didn't work mm. anyway um, but it was basically the, it was not really spectacular I mean like it was just a puzzle in the sense that there were puzzles exactly the same using the exact same tricks that yeah. were in the main game it was really the feeling was that they had made this game and then someone said at the end yeah so you know the game's called Tomb Raider lads yeah you maybe want to put a couple of tombs yeah so it's like the main part of the game is a great Tomb Raider game and then like the the challenge tomb part uh, as Brian Altano from IGN described it is like a great Zelda game Um, so like I'm having a really really good time with it um, the other thing I would say as well that's fantastic about it are the set pieces the like the action set pieces that happen throughout the game, um, the that I need to I need to sit you down and show you how fucking mind blowingly good the opening set pieces uh when they're climbing like they were even they were really good in the last like one. they were good you know, I thought they were really good. these are fucking another level up like these are on par with like the really really good set pieces in the later Uncharted games like they're you look pr- forward then to when it finally comes to PS4 proper fucking good or when you get your Xbox One which we all know is inevitable at this point yeah inevitable we'll when see Gears of War 4 is coming out next year you're fucking we'll see look at you there look at you trying to we'll deny see. it look at you we'll trying see. to well, deny it well I've managed to not buy a pit you're boy. a Gears of War yeah that's all you are <laughs> you're, you'll have it by then mark my words you'll have it by the time that game comes out Leave me alone, uh, the other game I've been playing this week and this is something I'm just going to talk about for a little while I've been playing GTA Vice City Brian uh, we talked last week on the show about PS2 emulation going to PS4 sadly I don't think any of our predictions came through uh, doesn't work with disc you have to buy it digitally so you have to buy the game again the game wasn't as we had hoped $5 for a run of the mill game $10 for a really good one it's 10 or no, sorry, it's 15 across the board, should I say. Um, which for me is like, right, if I ever get PS2 emulated games, it's going to be for my absolute favourite PS2 games. What they've done is they've gone in, they've cleaned the games up, uh, made them actually look good on a big screen in 1080p, so that when the image is stretched out on like a 40-inch screen like I have, it doesn't look fucking really badly stretched like it would if I hooked up my PS2 through a SCART to the thing. Mm. Um, so it works great in the aspect ratio that you have now with the, the big TVs. Um, they've put in like the share play features, the broadcast features that PS4 games have. So you're able to go stream these games now. Whereas like if I wanted to stream PS2 games with my PS2, I'd need to go out of my way to buy capture gear for it. Uh, which is just an expense I don't fancy going through at this point. Uh, the other thing as well that they've added is trophies, which is a nice little kind of thing to throw in. Like people love their trophies. I like trophies. You're uh, trophy. I've looked at the Vice City list of trophies and I think, oh, that's very doable during a holiday break. Like, throw myself into a bit of Vice City. Vice City is my favorite Grand Theft Auto game, and it's a game that's going to come up as a book club, I'm sure, at some point because it's so much more fun than like the more serious GTA games like none of them except GTA 4 are like 100% like well GTA 4 isn't even 100% serious but it's the one where it's like oh this just got too kind of gritty too training day 
Yeah, like GTA 5 rediscovered the silliness that makes GTA great. Um, GTA 3, GTA Vice City and GTA San Andreas for me are like the holy trinity uh, of good times, GTA right? GTA 1 2. Look, I, I, I'm not a big fan of the top down. Like I enjoyed it at the time but they're not games I have any inclination towards going back to. Uh, whereas Vice City now Vice City looks good it still feels fun uh, it's still got that hella great voice cast uh, that I sent you the, the IMDB page for so I'm playing away as Ray Liotta as the main character uh, enjoying my time uh, working for Bill Fickner and, <laughs> and Burt Reynolds and all the like uh, so yeah it's a, it's a good time I'm having a lot of fun the awesome 80s soundtrack is still in it um, some of the songs um, in like I think San Andreas and GTA 4 have been patched out on Steam because the rights for the music have gone uh, the only one that I've seen people say is missing from GTA Vice City I haven't confirmed this because uh, I haven't looked at the track listing on this version yet but it is apparently Biddy Jean which is a shame because it's a banging tune but uh, yeah, but Billy people don't say gone. bang and tune anymore. But, they just say banger. <laughs> but apparently, that's that. apparently that's the only one that's gone. Hmm. Uh, so like really enjoying it so far. Uh, the thing that's startling for me is still like how good the driving feels in it. Like GTA Five feels the same. Do you know what I mean? The only hmm. difference is that, and it feels weird going back to the way the PS2 used to organize things. It's X to accelerate. I'm so used to R2 to accelerate and to shoot that it's weird going back to X to accelerate and circle to shoot I don't think I can do that man uh, it's a brave new world or a brave old world uh, but yeah that's GTA Vice City if you've never played GTA Vice City and you really should um, you really should don't. yeah <laughs> so um, that's what we've been playing this week so at this point uh, an hour into the fucking show <laughs> I think we should uh, finally crack into the news News on the mark. In the news this week, Brian, it's award season, right? We're nearing the end. We're ramping up towards game of the year. A lot of websites are. I feel like the Oscars has a theme music that I want to hum now, but I can't think what it is. If it is, a thing. just think about that song that Jack Black and Will Ferrell song. <laughs> Did you know that? <laughs> you're boring yeah that one but uh, no anyway it's it's award season so we had um, this weekend in I want to say it was in LA uh, we had the video game awards uh, formerly I think the these are an offshoot it's Jeff Keighley uh, who is a, a popular name in the industry he is uh, he's the man that was responsible for I think they were called VGX before I want to say uh, that they sounds were on, like a thing they were on Spike TV sounds they were basically the same thing but they, and it was done by a panel of experts of kind of like you know the, the shall we say the Mount Rushmore of games journalism used to try and decide these games of the year but now it's off on its own it's an independent joint it's streamed live it's got corporate sponsorship and stuff like that it's basically the big glitzy uh, awards ceremony for games that has nothing to do with any of the major publications or uh like with Nintendo, Sony, or Microsoft themselves, mm. right? And it's uh, basically known for uh, having some. It's one of these spots where kind of like uh, recognition is given to great games throughout the year. Um, recognition is given to the gamers. Gamers vote for a couple of the awards. Uh, recognition is also given to. Oh, not recognition. There's also spots. It, it's become a tradition on Jeff Keighley's show, uh, whether it was VGX before or now uh, the Video Game Awards. 
that we'll see some kind of exclusive announcements of games that are coming out that we hadn't heard about before. So this year had all that and more. So what I'm going to do first is before we get into the kind of like what we saw of games, I think the the nicest way to start off with maybe let's uh, go through who won what. Winner, winners, chicken dinners. Yeah. So what I think I'll do is um, I'll go through, I have the list of uh, nominees and winners here and I'll go through them here and I'll kind of like, I'll throw in my commentary mm. uh, where I feel it, it's merited and uh, you kind of throw in yours whether you feel it was like I say a justified winner. Do you want me to look at the list or wait no, for you No, I'll, I'll, I'll read them out. Uh, I got it here. So I'm going to read from the bottom up leaving game of the year for the end. Because uh, mm. I think that's you know that's the fair suspense. Enough, right? So um, best fan creation. So this was a this is a nice award uh, that goes to the kind of the, uh, that seems to go to the, the hard work of modders who and make versions of games because like those pe- people put in hella fucking work for um, no money. So um, yeah, uh, this was the best fan creation award and the nominees for it. Like I wouldn't know any of these mods because I don't really play a lot of PC stuff. So I'm just going to, I don't think you're going to have much to input in this either because you're not a big PC gamer either, but we'll go through it anyway. Uh, the nominees were GTA Five Targets, Real GTA, uh, Portal Stories, Mel, Super Mario Maker, E-Reader Levels, Twitch Plays Dark Souls, and the winner was Portal Stories, Mel. Um, I must actually look into that. I have no fucking, I have it, pff, got nothing. Uh, trending gamer award which is another one for kind of like streamers uh, popular internet personalities associated with playing games and stuff like that uh, the nominees this year were PewDiePie who I think fucking everybody has heard of uh, Markiplier uh, Christopher Monte Cristo Michaels and Total Biscuit the cynical Brit uh, Total Biscuit the cynical Brit and then the winner kind of funny is Greg Miller um, I'm going to stop right there because I actually have something to put in here Greg Miller got up he won trending game it was great um, I'm a big fan of Greg Miller going back to his days at IGN I, I follow and support the, the kind of funny crew and their content and stuff very entertaining stuff that they do with games and with pop culture in general uh, so Greg Miller gets up and he makes this speech and it's um, a really good speech that basically acknowledges the the hard work of the people, the names that you see fly past you on the credits for games that may have just like designed designed shrubbery in a level on a game. People who put in like countless hours and never get thanked for it because they're not the the Ken Levines, the big kind of like the the massive personalities who are running the whole thing. You know what I mean? They're the the guys who come in. They spend fucking untold hours working on a game. They don't see their family as shit like that. Uh, so he thanked those people. And I thought that was a very very classy speech, and I can't really say it any better than him. So at this point in the show. I'm just going to wholesale just put in the audio of his speech right now. Uh, I'll do the, Jeff, I'll do the first part really fast. Beyond! Uh, thank you to the thousands of kind of funny best friends who voted for me. Thank you to my parents for never trying to talk me out of doing video game journalism. Thank you to my beautiful girlfriend, Christine, who is okay is okay with her apartment being a production studio. And of course, thank you to Nick, Tim, Colin, and Kevin for helping me live this dream that is kindoffunny.com. But more importantly, the person I'd like to thank is Nicole Tan. Nicole Tan is an environment artist for Crystal Dynamics. I have never met Nicole Tan. I beat Rise of the Tomb Raider this weekend, saw her name go through the credits, along with dozens of other names I didn't recognize. And this happens all the time. Every time I finish a game, hundreds of names I don't know. So today, I'm the trending gamer. I am a duly elected representative of you, the gamers. 
So on behalf of the gamers, I want to say thank you. Thank you to everyone in this room that makes video games. Thank you to everyone at the home right now, directors, producers, writers, animators who make video games. Hell, thank you to the guy who's working on a Maya project right now and won't see this till it's on YouTube tomorrow. We all know that making a game is not a glamorous life. It is long hours, it's time away from your family, and no matter what, when the game's out, someone on the internet is gonna be mean to it. I'm sure it comes down every day, somebody says, is this worth it? And I want you to know that on behalf of the millions of lives you change, it is worth it. Thank you for making games. I would not be the person, we would not be the people we are today if it wasn't for video games. So thank you, each and every one of you who do, does this, makes video games. Thank you for your art and know that we are forever in your debt. So yeah, I thought that was uh, an incredibly classy thing to do to thank the people that kind of like don't get thanked any other time. Um, so Brian, you haven't actually seen the speech, but you've, I, you've I've heard, heard the few, content. I've read a few it. things about it. I'm like, it is, it's damn classy. Yeah. Like it is to be to be fair, like because I mean they are like it is, it's a hella, hella lot of work yeah, goes into a video game and that like I mean, you know you've sat down watched a new game with you know top end graphics and gone look look at the sky look at the trees look look at the trees yeah you know I mean like when you first pop into Far Cry like and you see the mountains and shit and you're like kind of or The Witcher with you know the woods and swamps and things and that and you're kind of like. That that didn't just show up. That's not like they had to go on location and film that. Some dude fucking wrote that. Or dude, yeah. or, or do that. Or, well, no, I think dude is gender neutral. Cut me off here. I'm digging a hole. <laughs> but yeah, no, you're right. That it is like somebody, like for all the things we're impressed by and the things we don't even notice, people have done, like put in countless hours into it. So it's good to see uh, them getting a bit of credit. And, you know, fair play to uh, Greg Miller for, you know, not making a, a thank you God, thank you Jesus. Uh, kind of speech like he very quickly if you watch the speech gets his thanks out of the way to the people who helped bring him there and then like the I'd say two thirds of the speech is dedicated to uh, these people and um, the next excuse me the next category was esports player of the year which is something that I don't really doesn't cross my uh, my my uh, interests at all really um, the nominees were uh, Sumail PPD Olaf Meister Faker and the winner Kenny S who uh, is an esports player of Counter-Strike so there you go Party game. Uh, most anticipated game for next year the nominees were Uncharted 4 Thief's End The Last Guardian Quantum Break Horizon Zero Dawn and the winner to no one's surprise at all Brian. should be the Order 1887 it's not <laughs> believe it or not it's No Man's Sky I hadn't heard of that Which, one Dave. So uh, tell, tell me about No Man's Sky which would actually be hilarious if I went back I just have a feeling this was probably the most anticipated game of last year as well <laughs> because we all thought it was coming out this year and we were wrong uh, best sports slash racing game the nominees were FIFA 16 Forza Motorsport 6 NBA 2K16 Pro Evolution Soccer 2016 and the winner Rocket League which I was just when I heard that I was like yay Rocket League <laughs> deserves it best family game which is actually that might be something that we could throw in for our awards this year I don't really play any family friendly but, games well no well like I, well, I do yeah you, you know ones that I, aren't tits and explosions all the time um, best family game so well, we had a rag uh, on my two, two chief interest here. we had uh, Disney Infinity 3.0 Lego Dimensions Skylanders Superchargers Splatoon and the winner Super Mario Maker 
You would have thought I would have thought Splatoon. I was going to say Splatoon. I saw Super Mario Maker, but I was mm-hmm. like, that's fun for all the family. You see, the, like that is, ooh, Super Mario Maker is a hell of a game. We'll be talking about that in the weeks to come, leading up to uh, game of the year, best fighting game. Again, not something that one of my chief interests, but you know, I would at least know the odd thing out of cursory knowledge. Uh, the nominees: Guilty Gear, Exerd Sign. Uh, Rise of the Incarnates, Rising Thunder, and the winner, again to no one's surprise, Mortal Kombat X. Uh, best RPG, the Brian McNamara Memorial category. The nominees were Bloodborne, Fallout 4, Pillars of Eternity, Undertale, and the winner, The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. As the RPG Wunderkind, how do you feel about that? I'm happy with that. You think that's the way it should have gone down? Yeah. Okay. Best, go on, yeah. I thought you were going to say something. I was, but no, we'll save it for a different time. Okay. Best action adventure game. The nominees, Assassin's Creed Syndicate, Batman Arkham Knight, Ori and the Blind Forest, Rise of the Tomb Raider, and the winner, Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain. At which point I would like to segue into the fucking roaring return of Konami Corner. These bastards. No, Dave, don't. No. Don't hold that, Dave. Tell us what you really think. You will not fucking stop this train this week. (laughs) These fucking dickholes. Oh, the shit they David. Right, look. Konami Corner has been a fun fucking jokey segment that we've had on pretty much... It feels like every fucking week Konami are doing something. That garbage truck is on fire. It's careening towards the cliff. And the faster it goes over that fucking cliff, the better at this point, right? These pricks, right? Hideo Kojima, one of the great, like, the revered uh, fucking game creators that it, that live. One of the most revered of his kind. One of the strangest men in the world genuinely unhinged at times as we've talked about whenever we mention Metal Gear Solid on the show but you cannot deny like you're not a Metal Gear Solid fan but you cannot deny that like he has a very clear artistic vision the man works his ass off has created this fucking massive franchise that is Metal Gear like has created this whole lore this whole world this fucking craziness this like it's a massive fucking game it's a massive fucking franchise has made untold amounts of money for Konami and since Metal Gear Solid 5 has come out they have been Konami have been trying their fucking damnedest to act like the man never fucking existed right and to distance themselves as far as possible for him because they prefer fucking pachinko machines right so Earlier on in the week before the Game Awards, there were Sony of Japan Awards. Metal Gear Solid won an award at that. And what happened, Brian? A PR representative from Konami showed up and not fucking Hideo Kojima. Hideo Kojima was not permitted by Konami to show up and get the plaudits for the game he fucking worked to create. Not only that, you could have got anyone anyone just some bloke from Kojima Productions just some bloke who some, rendered environments for them some just the guy oh I'm the guy with the game. I'm the guy who drew the picture that inspired the silencer for one pistol in the game that's at least someone who fucking worked on the game no they got some woman from Konami's PR department to come and accept the award the game the game awards rolls around we see um, on Twitter Jeff Keighley beforehand was tweeting Hideo Kojima they have a relationship they're friends uh, he was tweeting Hideo Kojima saying, oh, I can't wait for the awards, stuff like that. Kojima was tweeting, oh, I'm in LA. Uh, yeah, that's great. Really exciting, stuff like that. Awards roll around. 
this uh, I think it was this award um, when best action adventure game was won it's like oh yeah Metal Gear Solid won well deserved I'm an action adventure game guy based on that field in there I would say Metal Gear Solid is the deserved winner brilliant we get this is probably the biggest kind of global awards ceremony for games that there's going to be so it would be great to see Hideo come up you know say his few words uh, like actually get the plot it's probably a standing ovation all that sort of thing Hideo Kojima is a god to the people that will be in this room mm. right who comes up Kiefer fucking Sutherland Kiefer Sutherland who like fucking nice of him to be there although I imagine he didn't do it for free mm. uh, nice of him to be there you know said uh, like a couple of words very nice you know hope you all have a good night stuff like that you know it's an honour to have been to won the award and to accept it on fucking uh, behalf of the game stuff like that he gets off stage Everyone has assumed at this point what has happened, right? And then Jeff Keighley comes out and he fucking flat and this my it turned my hat off to the man. Just flat out fucking said it on a live broadcast. Just went, we wanted Hideo Kojima to be here. You've all noticed he's not here. Konami's lawyers won't let him be here because of his employment contract. So basically, either he is under a no compete, having been shuffled out the door by them. So he's not allowed to appear in any capacity, let alone represent um, Konami at anything. Or he's still under contract at Konami because they won't fucking let him go anywhere else yet. And they're just being bitter and saying, you can't represent the game you created about the franchise that you created and have worked fucking your most of your entire professional life on at this point. What manner of fucking pricks must Konami be to allow something like this to happen I can't fucking like all this stuff like it's been terribly funny the stuff like you know um, you know someone saying oh Kojima's leaving party happened Konami coming out and going no 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 he still works here and then photographs coming out of Kojima's leaving party and it's like oh well you know does one hand not do know what the other hand's doing or are they just like in flat out fucking denial say, oh he's on gardening leave or he's on vacation this kind of stuff like that's kind of funny and jokey and stuff like that and it's you know it's fun to watch Nero fiddle as Roll and Burns and stuff like that um, but this this is the one that kind of broke me this is the one where I'm just like just fucking let him go just let him go at this point let him go to EA let him go to Sony let him go where the fuck he wants just end this whole fucking thing don't even attempt to piss on the fucking corpse of Metal Gear Solid Silent Hill Castlevania all that shit by trying to make bland copies of successful games again um, just to fucking pad your wallets you're making your money off your pachinko machines fucking stay there don't fucking ruin things any further you have like this is just and as soon as Jeff Keighley when he said that the lawyers from Konami wouldn't let him go and I'm inclined to at some point during this put in the audio of what happened like he says that uh, Konami's lawyers haven't allowed him come to the, the Game Awards and the fucking booze ring out. And like, I need to tell you that that, like, that convention center with that award ceremony happening, it wasn't just like random people that were there. Like there were, there were fans of games that were there. You could see them, like they were all freaking out and stuff like that. But like a lot of the room were like game developers and game journalists and stuff like that booing just as loud <laughs> as the bloke that came in off the street with a few beers in him, you know? And, like, there were tweets coming out from people in the industry and stuff like that. And journalists like Greg Miller, who had won the award earlier in the night for Trending Gamer, just let out a tweet saying, Shots fucking fired at the Game Awards. I heart Hideo Kojima. And, like, everybody seems to have rallied around the poor man now and just, like, Jesus, just fucking let him go and stuff like that. 
I don't know, this whole fucking thing, like, I just saw this, like, and I'm not, the worst part is I'm not surprised. Like, I should be, like, I should be surprised when I read stories about, like, this is, like, this should happen all the time in the music industry. Independent of how much I love Metal Gear Solid and Hideo Kojima and stuff like that, at the end of the day, this is a company treating an employee like this. And a star If this happened in, like, most companies in, like, the private sector and stuff like this, there'd be fucking labour courts getting involved in this kind of shit. You know what I mean? Like, the fact that, like, he's not allowed to take recognition for something he worked very hard on, that he's being treated like this, that reportedly his staff are being monitored and stuff like that and being dispersed throughout the company to do fucking shite jobs and, you know, having their the name Kojima Productions doesn't exist anymore and stuff like that. All this kind of bullshit. And it's just been building up for a year, uh, like, more than a year since the rumours first started coming out that, like, that relationship... So what you're saying is his biography, his autobiography, is going to be fucking hella tell-all. In about ten years, there is going to be a fucking brilliant documentary about this (laughs) that I will pay all the money in the world for. You know? And, like, oh, like, it's just... Oh, it's... Like, the point is, and someone said it on Twitter, it's like, I don't know how big the kind of the, the wider gaming audience would have like how much they would have heard of this but like if this is a news story that gets broader and broader and broader like it's a thing where if Konami didn't already want to get out of making like Metal Gear and Silent Hill games and stuff like that they've fucking gotten themselves out in a big bad way here because like they've soured themselves on a lot of people in the industry like there's going to be a lot of people that don't want to work with them yeah, well, there's going to be you? a lot of people who are just going to have particular bile when it comes to covering their games in future that might skew their reviews and stuff like that so like they've really um, yeah they've really ah, just fuck them like just fuck Konami that's that's all I have to say on that now let's get back to the awards that's that was a, that was a good solid rant there I think do you want to throw in at this point Brian I think I've pretty much said all the swear words I'm leaving this <laughs> I've kind of scared your... you into silence no, all, all I was like, like I, I'm absolutely in agreement I mean whatever yeah. they've said like, there, just... were very, there were various points during that rant where Brian was just like doing anything to not look me directly in the face as I was going mad as if I was screaming at him like he's like a bold child there's only two of us in this room man he's looking at the phone looking at the microphone you know looking at his can of Red Bull things like that anything but Konami isn't in the other contact. corner of the room here sitting in another chair like so no, like, Konami uh... corner is on fucking fire <laughs> wherever it is anyway moving on now that I've got that out I feel a lot better now so tell us about the games the Best game Shooter Yeah back to the Game Awards Best Shooter uh, So the nominees Is it going to be Call of Duty uh, The nominees Were Call of Duty Destiny Halo 5 Star Wars Battlefront And the winner Splatoon Yay yeah, I was really happy about that I, I thought like, Yeah fuck yeah Like that I would, I would say that as well uh, Games for Change So this is kind of um, How would I describe this category The kind of like uh, games that games do things in a different way we know, like, like you know what I mean G- games that uh, kind of don't do things in a very typical manner mm-hmm. shall we say so the nominees were Sibel which I haven't played Her Story which I love Sunset which I haven't played Undertale which I love the idea of and keep meaning to play and the winner Life is Strange which everybody does seem to like um, for me for that that would have been Her Story a million times over I fucking oh I love that game so much um, any thoughts on that one Life is Strange you haven't played Life is Strange I haven't played any of the games in my character yeah, we'll be playing her story before the game of the year show because that's on the list 
But uh, yeah, right. So best performance then. Uh, the nominees were Ashley Birch from Life is Strange, Camilla Luddington uh, from Rise of the Tomb Raider, uh, Doug Cockle <laughs> as Geralt in The Witcher, uh, Mark Hamill from Arkham Knight, and the winner, Viva Seifert from Her Story, which I'm very happy about. And I saw a real kind of like uh, her gushing about like how fucking shocked she was that she won it and stuff like that. So I was very happy about that. Uh, best score or soundtrack from a game. Uh, the nominees Fallout 4, Halo 5, Ori in the Blind Forest, The Witcher 3 and the winner Metal Gear Solid. Which I'm happy with. Uh, and you'll see why when we end up playing that. But that's uh, that's pretty good. Like I would have said that or The Witcher. Yeah, I would have thought Fallout would have deserved a nod in there. Like music has been a big part of Fallout. Uh, but you see, well, I could have acted against that as that came out so close so to the awards. Oh, yeah. Um, best art direction: the nominees: Batman, uh, Bloodborne, Metal Gear Solid Five, The Witcher Three, and the winner, and probably deservedly so, looking at those nominees: Ori and the Blind Forest, which is the most definitely the most stylish and artistically uh, composed game of the whole lot. Uh, best narrative: Until Dawn, The Witcher Three, Tales from the Borderlands, Life is Strange, and the winner: Her Story delighted again with that uh, best mobile or handheld game not something I really care about but uh, the nominees Downwell Fallout Shelter Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate Pac-Man 256 and Lara Croft Go was the winner um, I'm told those games are good the the, the Go games uh, Hitman Go was another one that people really enjoyed uh, developer of the year oh sorry no, best indie game of the year nominees Axiom Verge Whoa. Her Story Whoa. Ori and the Blind Forest, whoa. Undertale, haven't played it yet, want to. So probably a future, whoa. And the winner, Rocket League. <laughs> Fucking man. Rocket, I, there's so much Rocket League love. I'm lo- I, I love it. Developer of the Year. Nominees, Bethesda, From Software, Kojima Productions, Nintendo, and the winner, CD Projekt Red. Uh, I can't argue with that. And then Game of the Year. Bloodborne, Fallout 4, Metal Gear Solid 5, Super Mario Maker, and the winner, The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. So yeah, Witcher got a lot of nods there. I'm delighted with the nods for the likes of Her Story um, and Rocket League, particularly. Um, Yeah, a good time and some uh, memorable moments with uh, Greg Miller and Fuck Konami. So, uh, moving on to the stuff that came out of there, uh, we'll try and do a a quick recap of some of the, the news that came out of there. Uh, I don't know if you saw the trailer for this game uh, where the water tastes like wine uh, looked really cool real kind of is it uh, a Jesus game? no real kind of arty kind of like very period Americana kind of like um, it's got a feel of like um, the the countryside of America around the time like mass industrialization starts to happen and stuff like that mm. um, looks really cool I think you'll agree when you uh, when you watch the trailer um, Shaq Fu was coming back Shaq himself was there to talk about that that he was going to be kicking all kinds of ass in it and I can't wait for that fucking Shaq Fu man this one this one got both of us right in the sweet spot Telltale Games Batman uh, we were talking about this Batman is the kind of thing like the world's greatest detective like it really lends itself to that kind of storytelling because yeah, it's like like I've enjoyed what I've played of Arkham Knight and uh, the Arkham games and that but like it is at the end of the day you are Batman fighting machine is a very large part of it I really what immediately hooked me on this the idea of Batman the quiet calm calculating world's greatest detective yeah I see a lot of I see a lot of 
very good I see a lot of potential for very good dialogue scenes as Bruce Wayne at fancy dinners with people who might also at the same time be villains in their kind of day clothes as well yeah. uh, think about that scene in uh, the trailer we've got for Batman vs Superman of Clark and Bruce chatting away at that fancy function thing I see a lot of potential for those I see a lot of potential then for the kind of uh, really would lend itself to the whole quick time event style of telltale combat in their games where it's you know it's yeah I just I, I know a lot of people have kind of been in the opinion like oh why another Batman game like haven't we said all we need to say with Arkham Knight yeah, and kind of like it, this is a whole different like I, I'm not saying the telltale are setting the world alight in video games yeah. I really like how their games go and yeah. I think that's there's so much potential for Batman to do something different. My it. hesitation isn't not another Batman game. I will have Batman games all the <laughs> fucking day, my friend. My hesitation is not another Telltale game. Fix your fucking engine, lads. <laughs> Fix the fucking engine. Like, get the games working perfectly and then move on and make as many projects as you like. Like, I don't know how many people are working there. And at the one time they're going to be working on... Uh, Walking Dead Season 3... Walking Dead's DLC, the in-between season two and three that we're going to be talking about later on in this list. Um, whatever Marvel project they're doing, Minecraft, season two of Game of Thrones, presumably there's more Wolf Among Us coming at a certain point. Am I missing it? I think Tales from the Borderlands is surely getting a season two because everyone fucking loved that. Like, there's a lot on their plate and I don't know how many people are working there, but like, I don't think there's enough people working there to be working on all those projects and also be rebuilding their engine so that it's more stable. Um, so uh, I'd really want them to just like maybe take a while off, take six months and do it. Just don't be afraid to have a month where you're not releasing an episode or something, guys. Lord knows back when Walking Dead was coming out, it was not a fucking month between episodes then. You know, it was big gaps sometimes and they wouldn't tell you how big the gaps were going to be. But anyway as Telltale Batman uh, new trailer for Far Cry Primal that lets you know a little bit Seen more it. about it um, I'm interested I'm interested I just hope it's not going to be trying to make a whole game out of those bits in Far Cry 4 where you go to Shangri-La it doesn't look like it Tiger. it doesn't look like it we'll see like it, uh, like obviously you've got spears and things and that like, there, looks like, there looks like there's a bit more um, you're able to tame like saber tooth tigers, tigers and yeah. a wolf and a hawk to I, do your bidding which uh, looks pretty badass if you use it right I don't know enough yet like I mean yeah. they're just teasing us yet I mean this is a kind of game where I like that we don't know a lot about it and it's not, in two months I get, it is quite you know? good it is quite good um, like my, my worry is just kind of like you know it's a brave move going for that kind of setting and that like yeah and like there's a way there's a path here where this could really shake shit up this could really be like well, they a, need something that's like a palate cleanser because like I think we've said on this show before like Far Cry 4 was the last one of the games that could be like that before it starts getting repetitive yeah do you know what I mean before it starts getting Assassin's Creed syndrome of oh it's just the same thing just set somewhere slightly different yeah you know they need to get rid of the radio towers they need to figure out a different way of doing the open world and unlocking sections with radio towers that fucking thing in Ubisoft games the fact that the crew has it with driving up to cell towers like uh, like it's just that that mechanic is of all of the things because it's in other Ruby games is the most tired of all of them but there are some things about you know how you're always like a fish out of water in a foreign land with fucking um, some weird charismatic uh, antagonist uh, like Pagan Min because Pagan Min was so good like because Troy Baker was so good as Pagan Min it was like okay I'm not tired of it yet but by Far Cry 5 if they do the same shtick again it's just somewhere slightly different 
I don't think you can do it and have it be one better than Vass or Pagan Men. And at the same time, I don't think you can do it at all, even if it's better or as good without it seeming like this shit again. Really. And even then, and even then, I found like but the difference between Jason Brody and uh, AJ, um, the the nameless faces protagonist taken on by you is already on the downward spiral. I think for yeah. those games, yeah. But um, you see, that's good. we're in a day and age where you don't have the faceless protagonist anymore, really. You're, well, no, like you're, I mean, you're accustomed to having like a backstory and. But I mean, like, so e- even then, like, I mean, the characters, the great, like, I mean, I really enjoyed in Far Cry 3, not to get too far off point, but like, you yeah. were here, you were a pampered rich kid who was basically going off fucking quest for fire, fucking deliverance, spiraling to madness and insanity, becoming what you needed to be doing things and becoming a person, a monster, a machine, you know, uh, some really journeying to the center of the soul coming out the far side very 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 different and then even being given a choice in the game of uh, you know how do you express this change within yourself and then you come along and you're Ajay and he's at Spa and um, yeah. I couldn't stand Ajay I couldn't stand the character I was playing I didn't there wasn't enough of Ajay for me to have any feelings yeah but what there was of him he was a, he was a like we've moved, we've moved on from the days of like your protagonist being a tabula rasa like just like being fucking just this blank slate that you were to throw like the old days of getting to enter your name as the protagonist like that's fun for some open world games like Saints Row was really good at that like creating a character that has no real backstory but it's still it's fucking Saints Row like you know what I mean Um, and just fitting that into the crazy world of Saints Row but like you know what I mean like uh, Zelda games where there is an official canon where it's always linked but like you're able to enter your name into it like you could be Dave you know what I mean you could be Brian and stuff like that just like you know Link didn't speak you know he just said, yeah and stuff like that like yeah. we're, we're past that now and that was great at the time but we're kind of like we're into more kind of uh, put it this way like the absolute epitome of uh, video game writing Joel and The Last of Us there is a guy who is so far from a blank slate like just an utterly fucking broken and tormented asshole of a guy who you your heart breaks from every minute and stuff like that and you're invested in him despite the fact that you don't relate to his experiences in any sort of way where the writing is so fucking good that you you empathize so much uh, with the character but that's that's the kind of way we are and like if we keep doing the kind of like oh just generic fish out of water dude that you don't really care about he's just the kind of like the um yeah like like no it's just kind of because jason in far cry tree like he was the fish out of water yeah but he had a really interesting personal journey to go on as part of that. Like, he changed as a person. Yeah. Your character did. I mean, like, in, in, it was a marginally superficial kind of way because it wasn't the centerpiece of the game. But you do change. And it does recognize the fact that, you know, you came here and you were a preppy posh boy. And people, like, whole, part of the whole thing was, like, people assume you're a preppy posh boy yeah. who can't do that. And, and next thing you know, you're fucking around the place with machine guns. You know, and Boz and Arrow's fucking shit up, like. Mm. I'm fucking, like... Probably Bosch Boy is, like, my least favourite Avenger. <laughs> uh, but then, like, in Far Cry 4, you're as in, like, you're just like, oh, yeah, I just happen to be good at this shit. Um, and I'm also a spa. And, like, the bits yeah. where you go on the drug journeys and that with the boys, you just rock up and they just, like, say, here, take some drugs. And you're like, 
okay. Yeah. What, like, you just... He's just a sap. Yeah, he's just... Oh, he's horrible. Um, yeah. But no, like, I'm really interested to see how they're going to tell the story here, like, in, in, in a, in a, you know, an Ice Age world, in a pre-modern world. Not even, not even, like, a 60s, 70s kind of world. Not even a steampunk or Victorian era, because we've gone back that far. Yeah. We've, we've gone, like, we've, we haven't gone pre-language, pre-writing, pre pre tool pre metal tools like you know yeah so it'll, it'll be there there's a there's a way here that this can be utterly fucking amazing and incredibly creative and original in that you know they'll be dropping all that the stuff we're used to they're we're going off into uncharted territory a little bit and how they're going to do the things that you need to have in a video game to make it interesting but do it in a world where they tied one hand behind their back in terms that they can't use any of the existing tropes now again again we could end up having to climb rock piles to unlock the area or do smoke signals you know yeah you know i just my my whole uh my whole kind of like to to, to move on now because we've been kind yeah. of dwelling the far far thing for a while is just that i'm just, just still heartbroken there aren't dinosaurs that we know of yet that we know of yet. yeah well it doesn't look like it doesn't look like they're gonna you know just ignore the fact that people weren't around at the same time as dinosaurs which i really hope they were going to <laughs> But um, the other thing was uh, we had uh, clearly not that multicultural more... a team of people working on that yeah. game. Then even that creationism. We had, <laughs> we had um, uh, one of the the many appearances of um, uh, Tim Schafer related product. It's a good guy. Uh, he's a good egg. Like I said, Bobby Moynihan's da, Tim Schafer. <laughs> uh, Tim Tim Schafer, uh, the Double Fine guys uh, presented the, well, uh, they, I don't think they presented it. I just saw the, the YouTube video for it. I think it was just like popped up on the screen anyway. Uh, they're crowdfunding uh, Psychonauts 2. Psychonauts, Brian, you haven't played it. I haven't played it. I'm from, uh, I know of it. Yeah, it's very, very popular platforming sort of game from Double Fine with that usual Double Fine charm and wit about it. So, you know, I'm not uh, much for the old platform. Like yeah that. yeah people fucking love that game and i'm really happy that they're getting the chance to like right okay if you like it that much no studio like no publisher is willing to give us the money to make it so you know put your money up if you want to see psychonauts 2 made uh which like absolutely fine with uh once the game does fucking come out which like uh work with wasteland wasteland yeah. 2 so like uh excited to see that excited for the people who love psychonauts um there's also i think there's this talk that psychonauts is going to be like hdified uh, or kind of released as a classic for us to download for 15 quid or something like that at some point which would be cool um then we have uh for fans of telltale games uh back to more telltale stuff uh walking dead season 2.5 uh the michonne focused spin-off which i love look um people who just watch the tv show don't tend to like Michonne all that much. I like her in the show. I quite like her in the show. But I wonder, is part of that coloured by the comics I've read where she is by far the biggest badass in the whole thing. Like, she's great in the show, but I think, like, in terms of badassery, is outshone by Daryl, possibly. Yeah. And, like, Rick, when Rick starts going fucking mad as a scone. Like, um... (laughs) But like in the comics, she is so fucking bad. Like she, is yeah. But oh, in the comics, in the comics, she's and I'm, this is already a violent show. Yeah, she's a lot more violent yeah, because they I, put her in. Like I mean, now at the same time, I've only read up to uh, what issue seventy two of the comics before yeah. I stopped reading the comics and then the show came along. But like how it all went down with the governor. Yeah, and Michonne was quite different in the comics, yeah. and it was now, it was good in the show. It was good in the show. But it was a lot more, to use your word, badass, but it was a lot more, you cannot put that on TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, excited to see that. That's coming February. 
it's a three episode event and presumably at the end of that three episode event uh, following the tradition of television games at the end of that three episode event they'll give you a rough idea when season three of Walking Dead is going to show up um, so people can be looking forward to that because people do like that Telltale's Walking Dead um, and I think a good uh, indication that they're going to be moving on towards the season three is the fact that season two was a PS Plus game last month you know they're kind of they've rung the well dry on the season two now so they're going to move on um, so then we have Rock Band VR this is the start of uh, what is a running theme throughout this weekend Games Award and PSX which we're just about to start talking about next where I saw a lot of things on VR this weekend and none of them make me want to get VR like at one point you turned around to me under the assumption and said oh but you're totally getting VR and I went nope I'm so not sold on VR at all. I've yet to see the thing. And I know everybody who's played VR and has been won over to it has to like has said that you actually have to physically do it. Oh yeah, you, you have to have to play it. it because like anytime I've seen a tech demo of it, like it's either gone hot, hideously wrong or it just isn't the thing that I feel like I'm interested in. It is like and rock band VR to me. No. Like the whole shit. point is that it's a thing you put on your face so you can experience your own personal kind of environment as yeah, I'm here with my hands thing on my rock face band for me is getting to enjoy it with the lads. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it kind of takes away from that maybe experience. If I'm sitting there in a helmet, it might suit Guitar Hero more, but still, still, that's not what I'm there for. Yeah. You know, I like Rock Band the way it is. That's not really the game for me that I think, oh, that, that makes sense for VR. Mm. Um, moving on, anyway. Uh, Rocket League is coming to Xbox One, so Xbox One fans, all five of them, uh, <laughs> are going to finally get to experience uh, the multiplayer game, uh, one of the best multiplayer games of the year. Um a fucking fun time is going to be had uh, but you know jokes on them because it's not going to be free they're going to have to pay for it yeah. whereas we all got it free if we had PS Plus yeah. at the time um, and then the final thing from uh, the Games Awards which is something I didn't know about prior uh, Tomb Raider is getting its first story based DLC which is supposed oh, to be I'm a substantial yeah a substantial apparently chunk of story DLC that I watched the trailer for uh, it's super creepy it's super magical do you know the, the, the Baba the, Yaga the DLC of Baba Yaga like. I do I do and the trailer looks appropriate it, to that it looks survival horror Ooh. yeah it's survival horror Tomb Raider so you might be hurrying up and getting that Xbox son cause like just when I see the name of it there it's like they, they ain't uh, they ain't uh, pandering to the lowbrow crowd nope. like they're, no, they're gonna not. like you know but then if you like if you play this Tomb Raider game um, like it's like it is it is highbrow stuff because there are like history nerd references about really? it there were in the last one as well there were some but like there are there are nerdy references there, to there, like there, are, his, there are history nerd references in the way yeah. that you know uh, no spoilers but like Arrow season 1 has history nerd references yeah, yeah. you know it's like in, in the definitive collection so I'm, I'd be interested by that definitely like yeah uh, so we'll move on that's that's PA, that's uh, Games Awards put to bed anyway uh, our main takeaways from that being yay Greg Miller fuck Konami and Batman um, and we'll move on to the other big event of the weekend the main reason that we waited until Bat Sunday metal. to record that you've been just fucking Batmetal all weekend oh you know? man just I did Batman I finally discovered Batmetal I'd seen the t-shirts online and I was kind of like what, what does this even mean your life was ended by mermaids and I was kind of like well, what's going on here I've seen it it's amazing continue um, with the podcast <laughs> Uh, so the PlayStation Experience shortened to PSX happened this weekend it's the second annual uh, it's kind of like a big get together that Sony hosts okay like you're trying to sneakily entice somebody it's a it's a big annual get together that started last year it was in Vegas last year San Francisco this year where it's kind of just like Sony basically throw a party for fans of PlayStation they make some announcements it's like a mini E3 just for PlayStation fans right now 
uh, few things coming out of there. But first, I want to talk to you. This was your first. Uh, this is probably your first uh, like press conference of this kind that wasn't an E3 press conference. Mm. So, like, because we know E3 is where all the big shit happens. What was your uh, just some of some of your impressions without going into kind of like you know what did you think of it? How, how were your emotions before or afterwards? Uh, or before, during. during, and afterwards, without getting into exactly what you what you said. Um, before I was kind of well, I knew it was going to be kind of the same kind of stuff that it always is at these conferences, where you know a bunch of um, awkward nerds who aren't really go- who are really good at what they love, but aren't really very good at standing out on mm. a stage in front of crowds of screaming people and and you know discussing the thing that they love, you know, and then Gio Corsi, who's amazing at it. Oh, we um, to him. But like you know, I knew it was gonna be more of that. They're gonna talk about Enzo and trying to sell us some shit like it was gold. You yeah. know, shit I don't give a fuck, give two fine fucks about. Yeah. Like, and was, I knew there was gonna be a lot of that because, you know, I it's the nature I, of these. I, I, it's the nature of these things. I have particular taste. There are things then that I will like. There are things that I won't like. There are things that I think I won't like until yeah. I see them. Then I will like them. But you know, I knew there was gonna be. They're gonna show everything. Yeah, there's, there's gonna, gonna be a broad of everything. Spectrum. They're yeah. gonna try and hit it by every yeah. demographic. Yeah. Um. I didn't really have expectations for what would be on the show or what wouldn't be. Yeah. Uh, I was kind of like, it, it's going to be like this. I seg- predictions, all of them were well off. Yeah, I was just like, it's it's going to be just like basically E3 and that kind of thing, like except just yeah. with PS4. But you wouldn't have like, like we tend to get excited around here when E3 comes around because it's yeah. like, it's game or Christmas, but you, I didn't have that same sense of I didn't know. for this. Like, because I would expect small announcements happening yeah. at this uh, and I kind of focus on third party or indie or something like that just I wouldn't expect any major fucking well I mean like at the heart of what it is like it's nice in a lot of sense as well, on the other hand it is just like an intention grab uh, yeah, as yeah. well you know PS4 is performing so well that it's more of a victory lap like if PS4 was losing to Xbox at this point I would expect more from PSX it'd be like right they have to fucking okay let's see how they're gonna up their yeah, game yeah yeah you know, know what I mean but because like it, they are so far out in front it's kind of just like oh let's just have a nice get together it's, it's just a PR stunt like, yeah. yeah yeah um so we'll get into some of the things that happened uh, I kind of like my impressions throughout were kind of like I thought started off well yeah middle was kind of hit and miss and then it fucking flatlined and Hell just off and just, and just ended then right yeah so we'll get to that this is I put it down in what I think was the order the major things happened in yeah in here so it started with the the big heavy hitter for the first half of next year Uncharted 4 and we got to see some uh, some acting. Uh, no re- no uh, action at all. No actual gameplay. No, but it was a cutscene between Nolan North uh, as uh, Nathan Drake and his brother, played by Troy Baker, where we concluded Wait. how silly it was that a man as youthful looking as Troy Baker is playing uh, Nolan North's older brother. But I really enjoyed that conversation between video game Nathan Fillion and video game Bruce Springsteen. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they, it, like, it was even, a, they had him in a sheepskin collar denim jacket. It was jacket a cool cutscene. Back hair. It, uh, it, it, do you know what it did? It kind of like, it added more. We've seen some of the action now. We see how the game plays, but now we see some of the narrative. Mm. We're seeing some of the, the story pull, the reasons we'll want to keep playing it and stuff like that. So that was interesting. Uh, got to show off how good that thing looks in like when you get to, like when it looks you get, proper fucking cinematic. When you get to part four of a game like that, you know, at that point, by one way or another, you're emotionally invest, invested in the characters when they're recurring characters. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, it's like, 
you can talk about Far Cry, but they're not recurring characters in Far Cry. Mm. And that's why we're talking about the fatigue, because it's a new person in a new, slightly yeah, different because character. Yeah, this is one so, narrative. This is one story, fucking one character. So if you're on part four, you must give a shit about Nathan Drake at this point. Yeah. Because if you didn't give a shit, the gameplay couldn't be enough to keep you going. Like. Yeah, this is true. Um, so yeah, that way yeah, it is a good nice. cutscene. And the interesting thing to take away from that then is that there's going to be dialogue options. Mm. Which uh, we don't know because they didn't say anything. There was no commentary about it whatsoever at the event. But we don't know if that's going to like significantly impact uh, things that happen. Like if that could send you off on a different path mm. slightly or anything like that. Will be interesting to see. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, I'm pretty sure that like everybody who's going to buy it already knows they're going to buy it. They yeah. didn't do anything to go, oh, this is finally. I think E3 was the one, that big set piece where they're racing through the city. I think that's the one that was like people who were on the fence. It kicked them square off the fence. For me, it was still actually the the much older one where you, you're just, He's the, just in the jungle. The just in the jungle. jungle. Yeah, yeah, that was the E3 that was one before. Yeah, that was two years ago. Yeah. yeah. Um. So that was the that was the uncharted. Then we moved on um to see some gameplay. Well, first they announced. Uh, this is the Final Fantasy segment of the show and they announced firstly like uh, and I think this is cool that they did two, two heavy hitters up front because like I know you don't care about Final Fantasy 7 but people care a lot um, I don't really care that much but um, there is a sizable chunk of people who do who like it's, as they it's, show it's, it's and this is one of the things I'm going to actually throw to you at this because you made a very interesting observation at this point they started <laughs> yes they started this segment by showing a bunch of different streamers reacting to the Final Fantasy 7 oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and crying their fucking eyes out yeah. over and you pointed out something very interesting about the marketing strategy behind that if you want to I don't remember <laughs> it was fucking yesterday mate I don't remember what I said Jesus Christ you need to write these things down as you think of them because I thought it was really salient oh, point I completely you forgot about them until you remember you were pointing out like the whole idea behind PlayStation is that it's for the players oh yeah, yeah, yeah. so rather than kind of constructing some sort of like fake you know like horror films the way there's always the trailer that shows the people they've corralled into a cinema going ah on like night vision yeah, yeah you know that kind of shit that feels real forced and stuff like that no activity. they've gone and taken stuff from YouTube that people have put up because they love Final Fantasy so much and like their reaction trailers and stuff like basically just kind of acknowledging the fans and involving them in it which I think is brilliant yeah. it shows kind of like we are one gaming community we're all passionate about games whether on their developer side or on the kind of YouTube streamer but, like, side it's, it's, it's or on the bloke on his own it's like, just eating of... dry cereal in his pants playing a game but of. like at the same time like this is a beautiful thing about a video game is that a video game is like like, like a movie where yeah. a movie exists whether you watch it or not yeah. and it will you know you can put on a movie and it will play it doesn't require any other input from you to play you can walk out of the room a video game doesn't happen unless you become a part of it yeah so I mean sure, yeah, it's, it's much more immersive it's immersive but I mean like it's it's not even that it's immersive it's a partnership yeah between you and the developer that their that their story isn't told their vision isn't realised without you picking up something and actively you playing work on without yeah. without you working on making it happen in front of your eyes like um, so yeah they showed that and I thought that was pretty cool um, they announced which I thought was again pretty cool this was a, a good press conference where I think it was 16 games were released at the end of the press conference really? Oh yeah, awesome. today. That's all, that's today. Yeah, yeah. It's that today. Which, like, I love that mark. I love that idea. It's like you can pick this up now. I think it's a nice surprise for people. Yeah. Now, with the exception of, I went and picked up because I was like, right, okay, I'm finally going to give it a shot. I'm going to play the original Final Fantasy VII. So I picked it up. <laughs> right. So right, I'm going to give it a go because I'll put it this way: if this is one of the, there's three, the three heavy hitters that I hear off everybody that loves JRPGs: Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy VII, Earthbound. If I don't like Final Fantasy VII, there is a fair chance I will never like a JRPG, right? 
So I'm going to give it a blast. Maybe I'll come back in a couple of months ago where we are the RPG Wunderkinds. You know? You never know. I'm probably not going to. Probably not going to. But here we go. I'm going to give it a go. It's not really an RPG though. It's a JRPG. Yeah. Would you stop? That's a whole Which other fucking thing. Western RPG. It's a whole like there's thing. there is like a Japanese version of you on the Japanese link to the cast. <laughs> going these Western RPGs. Dude, dude. They don't know what they're at. Where are all the androgynous people in their RPGs? Trying to have sex with their half sisters and yeah. you know. Dude, it's Japan, it's not a parallel universe. <laughs> I don't know, Brian. Sometimes I think it is. Sometimes I think it is. <laughs> anyway. Does, um, does Asian after, Brian still have a beard? Who knows? Who, who knows? really knows? Uh, but they show, yeah, they said, right, Final Fantasy VII, the kind of up PS1 classic, is out now on PS4. Pretty cool to announce something like that. That's a pretty good drop. Um, especially considering they've been teasing that, I think, for over a year mm-hmm. at this point. Um, and then they went and showed some more of what I'm far more interested in because I'm hoping the one thing that has stopped me getting into Final Fantasy 7 before is not so much the JRPG tropes of it as much as it is the turn-based tropes of it. Because, like, with the exception of Pokemon, I have never been able to hold my attention to a turn-based combat system in a game, really. RT- R- like, you loved RTS games back in the day. I put it like you know this. I mean? I like I, this. There, there's, again, that perfectly embodies both Western RPG elements and JRPG turn-based combat. Yeah. That I will... It, it'll be the hill I'll die on for great, one of the greatest games of my life that I've ever played. First time I played this game before, I ever owned, owned a console, went over for a friend's house, we were, what, 17? We got a couple of crates of beer, we were, you know, watching movies, hanging out, getting drunk and that. Um, and that game was Football Manager. No, it was not. Uh, that, and then I realised, found this game when other people were passing out, and I spent, after an entire night of drinking, at about 2 o'clock in the morning, I switched on this game and played it for another 12 solid hours without stopping. Uh, with Lord of the Rings The Third Age yeah you're a big fan of that I fucking love so that myself game. and Dan are fans of uh, Lord of the Rings The Two Towers and whenever we say that's the greatest Lord of the Rings game ever made you like spit on the ground you're not appalled by because you love The Third Age Third Age is just, and everyone, you, everyone hated you can the understand third, the type everywhere, everyone hated The Third Age you can understand based on the kind of games I like why mm. Two Towers would be my favourite game because mm. I love that kind of precision hack and slash combat kind of stuff reflex and things it's yeah, the reason yeah. you're, the, you're of the two of us I'm the RPG Wonderkind but you're the person who's able to do counterattacks on Witcher 3 and I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. That, that's why. Yeah. Um, so they showed some more uh, footage from Final Fantasy VII and I think in the room it was just the two of us watching it. We thought that looked pretty fucking cool. Do you know what I mean? If but that's what like, you like, no, it looked, it looked good. It looked good. And crucially, didn't seem turn-based? No. There were things uh, third down the person. bottom. There was like a hood and stuff like that. that third looked person. Like there might be slash. some sort of strategy elements with mm. that, but it didn't look like it looked like kind of. Um, and it was a comparison I drew to a couple of games throughout the show. It looked more like Bayonetta or Devil May Cry in as much as that, like it was open. There was a lot of enemies, and you were kind of just hacking and slashing away. Yeah. And but it that looked cool. ridiculously fucking so huge sword. I thought. Uh, stupid cloud. I thought it looked cool. I it made me more excited for the game. I still think, like, whether you like Final Fantasy or not, whether you like JRPGs or not, I still think that E3 trailer was the perfect announcement trailer for a game. Like, just the way it was done, the music, the 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 fucking the announcer, the like the the reveal at the end of Cloud with the sword is back and Barrett's fucking hand cannon shit going on. Like, I thought that was the perfect announcement trailer for something that people have literally been waiting twenty years for. 
you know, because you could hear the, like the, the fucking sobs of joy from the internet as soon as that was done. I thought this was cool to give you a bit of a look in at the mechanics of the game and how the game operates and exactly what they've done to change it. Um, internet threw a bit of a hissy fit about it, um, but I would tend to discount that. If you're one of those people, I apologise. But my kind of thing was, look, we need to accept the fact they've decided to remake Final Fantasy VII, and there is literally no way to do that without upsetting at least half the people. Yeah. You know I mean, I mean? Look, look, I just don't give a shit. Like, yeah, I, I don't like, begrudge look, them it. I don't say you can't. I'm sure the people if, who really love it. If you're upset with what seems to be the lack of turn-based combat, there is a division there. There are going to be people like me who are like, thank God there is no like, turn-based combat. It's not out. It's and there's also going to be people just going, oh, for fuck's sake, they've changed it. It's, oh, it's not my Final Fantasy VII. I'll get... Right now, spoiler alert, there's already your Final Fantasy VII. They made it 20 years ago. It's called Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. Because uh, like, that's just the point I was going to make. Because like, I want to say, but I, just in case I sound like a complete idiot, they re- released the kind of the remastery one. Yeah. Yesterday. They Yesterday. Right after the press conference. And then what they're doing is they're remaking from scratch. Yes. The exact same game with presumably the, the exact same, same story. story. yeah. yeah, yeah. But possibly slightly different gameplay mechanics. So realistically speaking... Everybody's getting what they want. Everybody's getting something. Yeah. You know, and I mean... It's not like we're we have a situation like a a, it's a, real a blade first world problem. It's not like we have a fucking George Lucas fucking with who shot first. It's not like we're having a Blade Runner, which is the version, that, which is the cut that you watch. Yeah. This is a have your cake and eat it, friend scenario. Mm. Like I mean, are people like I mean to say that you know? Oh well, no, the remake should be exactly the same gameplay as the old one mm-hmm. because that's what I love and that's what I'm a fan of. Like that's just greedy friend yeah to me the people who were giving uh, out about it just very much crossed me like that joke about the cantina band and the family guy blue hair was like make the same game again all right same, same game. game you know but like realistically like just come I mean, on build a bridge get over it like yeah. that's that's my thing like you, you already, had that game when it came out you've yeah, had your re- you have uh, your sure, remaster it would be nice if they made a really 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 super pretty version of that game but it doesn't go back and Erase the old ones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can still play that shit. And then you can play it on PS4. Um, so, after Final Fantasy VII, um, I think this was the point where Street Fighter happened. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure this was the point at which... Well, I'm just going to go to the point at which Street Fighter happened anyway. So, the crazy guy from... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the crazy guy from Games... Was it Gamescom? Yeah, I want to say the crazy guy from Gamescom the guy who came out with the what I thought at the time were chicken nuggets around his head turned out they were supposed to be birds like when you get dazed in Street yeah. Fighter came out fucking held the entire red headband for quite some <laughs> big time. massive oh, red yeah. gloves he had the Ryu headband the Ryu giant fists like and just started excitedly talking hi everybody yeah just started weird actually I'm not going to impersonate yeah, that because that, that. that's a bad place to go you but... actually sounded like the Terrence and Philip. Uh, movie in South Park the movie um, and that's what we're going to say you were doing to yeah. avoid uh, any sort of incident let's defend Canadians incident. instead yes indeed um, but no I, I, I gotta say I love about him he has so much fun when he comes out on that stage every time <laughs> I've seen him like I mean we like we might laugh and it might border on cruelly because we don't quite know why he's so crazy <laughs> No but idea why he's so crazy. But he fucking loves he. Uh, this guy it's all year round. Life. He waits round. He waits Brian, round. At a, at a certain point during the Street Fighter Five thing, someone to, uh, Brian turned around to me and just said, "What the 
what do you think he's like to work with? I said he's fucking unbearable. Could you imagine if he's like that twenty four seven? Like I mean, like, like super into everything. Like remember the point I was making about how like you know there's so many nerds who stand up there and there are people who are incredibly good at what they do and incredibly passionate about what they do and work incredibly hard to give us the games that we love yeah. and brought to the meeting. But God love them, they are not good on stage and yeah. they look most of them they're smart guys they know it they know they're not good on stage yeah. but they're, they're there to, to do it and because it's their because it's part of their job is to come out and talk about their yeah. game this guy fucking loves this shit oh, like man, I mean I, I, like he went on so long right he was talking Gio so Corsi so that Gio Corsi champion of men uh, a guy who's like principally involved in like third party relations and is considered one of the champions of the Vita within Sony which he keeps in his back pocket uh, all the time in his pocket uh, he just showed up and yanked him out. He might as well have no, the shepherd's crook. Did you recall? Well, we had a tweet. We saw a tweet um, while we were watching this from Adam Boys, uh, one of the Sony guys, who said he can see Gio Corsi warming up with a hockey stick. <laughs> yeah, but like there was, before Gio Corsi got on stage, there was a, all right, that's enough, just yeah. over the mic. Well, and then next thing you know, Gio Corsi pimps out and you're on the league, like, do, 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 punching him in the stomach with the fucking big gloves yeah. and that. It's like it's like okay, you've had too much sugar now. Yeah, yeah. So basically, Gio Corsi shoes him off stage, and then it becomes the greatest host in the history of the world. I mean, but just basically, like he goes right next game. So they'll show the game, and if someone's talking too long, it's like right, okay, we're done with this. Get the fuck away. We're doing another thing. Like they should, like they need the energy up. He was great fun. Like to be honest, I think like, but he's a natural orator. Very clearly, natural MC. A natural MC and orator at sweet ass fucking hockey jersey. Um. I really think you know because, like I was saying, like it's a, it's a, just exactly the same, like the same format. Yeah. The way they do it, they need to change it up. Like I, I would be far more interested if they changed it up and said, you know, like I know Gio Corsi has his job and he does the third party stuff. Like so, he comes out for the third party stuff. I'd need to be saying promote him, give yeah, him a he side comes job. Off, like I find, like when the likes of a Sean Layden or somebody like that come out, usually uh, one of the people or Andrew House, the guys that usually do these things. Um, I find them sometimes a bit smarmy when they've been on for a while and kind of just like real business speak and stuff like you would uh, like Adam Boys is one I don't think this of uh, Adam Boys and Shuhei Yoshida are two of the guys that show up all the time that I don't think this of but some guys that come up I'm just like do you actually fucking like, play video games not even that but like do you actually care like are you just doing the, are you like are you out here because you're passionate about games or are you out here because you're passionate about the bottom line yeah, you know, there are. You can see those guys. Sometimes. Yeah, like, like I mean, that was that was a huge problem with the Xbox One, where they were in the press doing the press for the Xbox One. Oh, fucking Don Matrick. That guys came out like, and they were how you know they they were in the. <laughs> I'll never forget that one guy. Oh, I can't think of his name, but he's the guy, one of the guys from Killer Instinct, who came out and he just like no one was cheering on him like that, and he just throws up his arms real weird in the air and goes, "I love E 3 <laughs> <laughs> It's the fucking what? Like, have that... you spoken to people before? <laughs> Like guys in fucking sharp business suits with no tie though because they're casual and cool. Yeah, or coming the, out or the classic blazer t-shirt. Blazer and coming out and like saying the word Call of Duty the way they say it in boardroom meetings, as if to just say like you know Call of Duty in the same way people would say profit, 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 profit. Oh, have you seen like, that super cut from that? Yeah, that, yeah, I remember seventeen minutes of saying Call of Duty sports Television, TV. Yeah. Uh, and that, that was it there was the three words no yeah. it was 12 it was 12 minutes from E3 where no one said any word yeah. nothing but the words um, Call of Duty sports and TV and I'm just like it, it, they come out I mean like like that's why I, I, I do love the guys who yeah. come out like who was the first guy who came out with that PS1 t-shirt or that was that was Sean Layden Sean Layden like, he's Talk- normally with him at first I always think he's really genuine 
but when he's been on for a while when yeah. he's been doing it for about 20 minutes I'm like you don't care anymore yeah like you I mean just like just want to leave like at the same time because he came out was it one of the years and he was the guy who was talking about the TV stuff PlayStation. Like, yeah. Oh, come the fuck on. Man. Well, like in some ways, like they they probably get landed with that job. But like guys who come out like that initially, and they they they're not super comfortable on that stage. Yeah. And I like I respect in a lot of ways the way they can still come out and do that. I, I think they should change so they don't have to. Mm. But like you know, and then but it's it's the same kind of thing. Like I, like your former debate champion, you're probably never awkward with your words in social situations. But like, yeah, if you're put on the spot and you're forced to talk or. Sometimes when you're you are the center, people are actually listening to you. You do shoot yourself in the foot and start coming across like a massive dickhead. I've done it many yeah, times over the years. I don't tend to, but I know of this. The, You've seen the guys do it yes. who crash and burn. Suddenly, people they tell a good joke in a social scenario. People are like, I have oh. often jumped on those mistakes during the debates you spoke of. Yeah, because you're a prick. No, and... I'm not. I was there to win. <laughs> It's very different when it's a contest. well. No, when you're in a when you're in a debate, it's your own fault. Like exactly. what I mean, like in a in a general social scenario, like yeah. I was often the guy dropping my foot in that shit. Yeah. Uh, so like, and coming across as this smarmy, you know, adjust my glasses. Well, actually, um, you know, but uh, yeah, we've like, gone way off we topic are here. So off topic. Uh, we'll move on. Um, Battleborn. Randy Pitchford came out. With the worst shirt. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I remember that Remember now, that guy you went to, from NASA to apologise for a shirt. The funny, the, yeah, the funny thing was, I watched a couple of YouTube videos. I got stuck in a YouTube hole today. And a couple of them Randy Pitchford showed up in. And he's got form, shall we say, for the poor shirt. <laughs> and never was it the same shirt. <laughs> so it's a thing he does. And it's awful. As I said on Twitter, I was tweeting from at link to the cast on Twitter. So follow us on there if you haven't already. I just said, Randy, have a word with yourself, mate. <laughs> like, that was not on. Not on for an adult. But at the same time, an he, adult man he, or any man or any woman, any human being to be wearing that. He brought out, he um, brought some game with him, though. He did. He brought Battleborn. Battleborn. Like, literally, he came out, right? And as soon as Battleborn came up, you recall, I said, oh, no one cares. Just fucking make Borderlands 3. Because that's what everyone's waiting for. Yeah. And no one really has cared about Battleborn that much. Like, it's a class-based uh, fucking... Online. Online shooter. Shooter community thing. Um, and I was like, generally, no. I don't care about that. But then we met Toby. This character that's going to be available in the beta for PlayStation players, and then can I describe Toby, or do you want to describe? Toby? I would like to describe Toby. Okay, you can Brian, describe Toby. Let me tell you. Sometimes, usually about once a year, I go to the zoo. <laughs> and what do you do at the zoo, David? I see the animals at the zoo, Brian. I what? get ice cream at the zoo. I have a great old time. Who are your favorite but animals, David? The undisputed highlight of any zoo trip for me. And anybody who is a friend of mine on social media will generally know this because I almost always take a picture of them and send them to people quite obnoxiously because I'm hanging with them. My favourites are the fucking penguins. I can't explain why. I have no idea why. Because you're fucking, a girl in your mid-twenties. I fucking love penguins. They are the best. They just pimp around, couldn't give a shite about anything, just hanging out with the lads. Just having a great day. I'm having a great day out there, having a great day in, and we're all here, and it's great. Right? Love the penguins. Highlight. The fact that uh, at least one year we were there, the ice cream shop was situated right beside the penguin enclosure. Fucking top day. Top day. Everyone was winning. Everyone was winning. I love the penguins. Randy Pitchford clearly knew this. <laughs> to put the egg on my face for having roared about how I don't give a shit about Battleborn, because he came out and announced that basically there is a character in it called Toby who is a sarcastic penguin in a giant mech suit. Who quotes the Bavad Kita. <laughs> yeah. Who just like, 
like and each of the heroes in it which I really appreciate as well each of the heroes in Battleborn are called badasses and he is certainly a badass he is a tiny little penguin in, in a, a giant, giant red a, a giant fucking mech like a giant mech suit um, and by the end of it like I was giggling and I was just like okay I might check this out at some point and it's gone up for pre-order now it's on the store and I'm just like oh <laughs> I forget little penguins anyway moving on from the penguins even though I don't want to uh, Tim Shaver made uh, another appearance this weekend came out uh, during this appearance himself and Geo Corsi had some good banter Geo Corsi rubbed his belly it was a good time uh, so Bobby Moynihan's dad was out there to announce uh, a new trailer for the Day of the Tentacle remaster which I had uh, told you was coming uh, they announced that another one of their games free, uh, Full Throttle was getting a remaster so this is all like the games they made when they were under the LucasArts umbrella that people really loved but like this was back in like the 90s the kooky 90s games yeah so like these are the kind of games that are old enough they like okay fair enough that they get a remaster yeah. Um. so like people are happy about that and then as well we'd already got the Psychonauts 2 news uh, at the Game Awards but this was to announce Psychonauts is getting its own little adventure on VR can I say the name I wouldn't have cared about at all can I say the name yes you can it would have completely gone past me wouldn't have given a shit at all (coughs) okay that's cool that's more Psychonauts but then they announced the title of this Psychonauts Brian is having his drink he's clearing his throat just so that he can say that the title of the VR Psychonauts game is called Psychonauts Rumbus of Ruin (laughs) Was that your future ally? Welcome to the world of tomorrow, guys. Voice. <laughs> Welcome to the world of tomorrow. Yeah, the rhombus of ruin, which is Best just game utterly, name ever. Utterly spectacular. Do you know what? You're a git for penguins. No, I'm, I'm a, sorry. I'm a git for. As we, would le- as we would learn later on in this show, it was the second greatest name for a game of all time. Not to okay. big, not to, not to. But in 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 the in the alliteration category. Okay, yeah. In this the alliteration wins. category, that's the winner, yeah. Um, then you enjoyed what came up next, which was Neo, N-I-O-H. Mm, looked good. Which looked like some uh, kind of uh, Onomushish, uh, Devil May Cry-ish, Bayonetta-ish, hack and slash, samurai adventure fun. Um, but it didn't look... Actually, no, I can't finish that sentence because it sounds racist. It didn't look too much like those games I, I felt that I don't know if it was just the colour scheme or the artwork looked to me like you were talking about like you know Devil May Cry and that and I was talking about Witcher yeah uh, was the feel I got off the atmosphere of it um, yeah. so yeah that's why it looked good that's it looked good to me. keep an eye on yeah uh, Ratchet and Clank I want that game I've never played any of them they looked uh, interesting you, you said it looked like fun our stream died during the middle of it we came back just in time to figure out that there's a gun that shoots discos at people and I nearly threw my wallet let's, no, let's just stop let's just go back because that, that, you breeze by, by that really quick <laughs> yeah. okay you know let, let's just let's just picture the scenario henchman HQ they roll in the gurney and on it is one of the henchmen and the, and the, the triage doctor the medic is like you know, what, what, what's happened what's happened he, you know, he's, oh he's been shot He's been shot. There's no bullet wounds. What do you mean he's been shot? He's been shot. He's been shot. What? what? Where's the bullets? What What kind of rounds? Are lasers? Electroshock. Like, no, doctor. He's been shot with a disco. Yeah. 10 out of 10. Game of the year. Yeah. Game of the year. Game of the year. Uh, then we had an offer of VR. This was the VR portion of the show. The, the these were the, the these are the guys passionate about what they're doing and uh, just not good at telling us about it. Black of charisma. Black holes of charisma. <laughs> Uh, they came up and the demo didn't work. Didn't work. The ha- one really, of the guy's hands didn't work. Yeah, his hands were spazzing out the whole time. It just didn't look great. It wasn't a good selling point. No. Uh, there was nothing to show. It, was, then, it wasn't It was even a Tron room. Brian, so the Rhombus of Ruin 
gets the silver medal for greatest name of all time, right? The gold medal goes to there was a montage of different games that are coming to PlayStation VR around the time of launch. Yeah, launch but they buried it so well in this. They just this did. was like towards the end. All of a sudden, we were lulled into a game perfect sleep for the VR. Going, they told us, wasn't we were it? Just going like ah, like I don't care about any of this, and then all of a sudden. In giant 80s letters. Well, no, no, because they should, first they, they let us in, in sneakily because they yeah. showed us a putting green. Yes. With a flag in it. Oh, in, yeah, in they the said hole. this is a perfect game. And I was for like, a VR. Yeah, they showed a putting green and you're just like, oh, for fuck's sake. Type of and dog. this massive metal foot just stomps down like the Monty Python <laughs> foot. And then all of a sudden, big 80s letters 100, 100 foot robot, robot golf! <laughs> and I cried. And there was like just scenes of robots beating each other senseless with golf clubs, following through on a on a fucking aircraft carrier. And stuff <laughs> like that. like it was fucking, I was like, okay, yeah, right, I'm in for VR now. <laughs> <laughs> Sold. Uh, Destiny is going to show Star Wars how to do pod racing. That was the the de- the Destiny portion of the show was dedicated to Sparrow racing. We thought it looked pretty cool. Looked okay, yeah. It looks probably like better than. Took me about. I think it was it was a good while playing Destiny before I figured out you could do a sparrow. And I was wondering why people yeah. were rolling around on sparrows and kind of running around trying to do the jumpy thing. Kind of going, this is a bit of shit. Yeah. <laughs> then I figured out you could do that. Um. Then for JRPG fans, this was a uh, this popped Colin Moriarty at no taxation on Twitter. Uh, pretty huge. Nino Kuni Two is coming out, and that's one of those JRPGs that like um looks pretty much like you're playing through an anime which I appreciate like, I appreciate that like, even going through the extra effort of making it feel like you're playing in an episode of an anime um, and then we had to finish that's Epic Games came out butter. and announced a fucking MOBA called Paragon and the show just ended then I was saying okay right Shuhei Yoshida is surely coming out here at the end he's going to announce something that's like Wah. we're going to figure out what Sony Bend is doing we're like Wah. and shit like that but um, no, they showed the MOBA. Game over. We just then, for like 15 seconds in stunned disbelief, watched people start to file out of the convention. They go, it's not over. Is it? It's over. It is over. Do you know it's over, actually? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was weird. And then the, the one piece of news I wanted to mention before we move on to uh, our Game of the Week uh, for our book club. Uh, Sony uh, kind of I, I feel at least partially in response to Xbox offering free backwards compatibility have said that for PlayStation Now they're going to add a new year long subscription feature that is going to drop the price by an astonishing 55% uh, I see here in the notes offering your PlayStation Now for $100 yeah it's currently I think 20 or $30 a month Remind me again what you everything that you get on PlayStation now. This is the like you get a library of two hundred and fifty PlayStation Three games that you can play unlimited. And this is a cost in addition to what you're already playing it's for PS, PS Plus. PS yes. Plus. There's reasons why people don't play it, and you have just identified one of the major ones. Like I mean, like, if I, they I had understand. attached it to PS Plus and raised the price of PS Plus. People probably would have gone with that. Gone with that, like it, it, provided what wouldn't have been too more. much of a raise, a raise. Like, I mean, I put it like this: I would consider paying one hundred dollars for PS Plus with that included in it. Yeah, yeah, I pro- probably would. Yeah, like because you know how much it hacks me off when I go and check my PSN free games, and then I see like what I'm getting with PlayStation Four, and then I see what the PS3 people are getting. I'm like, yeah, and like the PS3, the, the PS Now list has like Bioshock and stuff in it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's. I understand they want to make. I understand they want to make money off it, but it's you interesting know. that they've probably gone. Fuck, no one's getting PlayStation now. No one cares about it. 
Xbox are doing it better, we got to drop the price, and they dropped by fifty five percent. Yeah, I don't think they need crazy. to drop the price. I think they need to sell it in a different way. Yeah, well, I think uh, they probably need to do both. Well, like I mean, because like they're selling it as a separate product, and it doesn't really matter what they're selling. When you put just too too high a number on it, that's going to make a lot of people not want it. Mm. Just because it's it's a separate thing, you're because it's a separate thing. You're saying it's a thing that you don't have to have, but you can pay for it. But you'll pay a lot. Yeah, you know. Um. So that's that. Uh, that's the news for this week. Very long news segment. There was a lot of news to get through this week. Um. There's no real Mark Robinson Oriental Odyssey news update this week. Apart from a tweet from him today that just said forty days. Yes, he's uh, the, the the home stretch has begun. He'll be with us before long. Can't wait for that. Um, Should have asked him if he got one of them sandwiches after. Yeah, if he was if it was sent to Mark Robinson, care of China in the end. Um, so at this point, then we're going to move on and do the uh, final part. We're starting our Christmas season, where instead of going through um, a book club game that we kind of thought, you know, from the past, uh, that we should take another look at, we're doing the Game of the Year nominees as part of our uh, Link to the Cast Christmas book club for Game of the Year. And the first one up on the slate that we haven't already talked about, because we said we're not going to talk about Arkham Knight. We're not going to talk about The Witcher, because they've come up in previous shows and been discussed at length. So the first one that we're going to talk about um, to kick us off on this is one of the sleeper hits of the year. uh, And we'll talk about that a bit more. It is Dying Light. in like a black tide and when it leaves it takes a piece of you with it the memory of who you were before falls further into that dark abyss we were doctors teachers fathers sons so are they. These monsters. They've lost the light behind their eyes. And the darker the day gets, the more vicious they become. We're all that's left. And we fight every day to hold on to what made us good. What made us human. And so every day is a battle. more of ourselves to the darkness. Dying Light is an open-world first-person survival horror video game developed by Polish video game developer Techland and published by Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment. Announced in May 2013, it was released in January 2015 for Microsoft Windows, Linux, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. The game was once planned to be released on PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360, but was later cancelled due to hardware limitations. The game revolves around an undercover agent named Kyle Crane, who is sent in to infiltrate a quarantine zone city in uh, quarantine zone in a city called Haran. It features an enemy-infested open-world city with a dynamic day and night cycle. Day-night cycle changes the game drastically as enemies become more aggressive and more difficult to deal with during the nighttime. The gameplay is focused on weapons-based combat and parkour. 
The game also features an asymmetrical multiplayer mode, originally to be a pre-order bonus, and four-player cooperative multiplayer mode. Dying Light, Brian. Dying Light was this game that kind of really flew under the radar for me. This was the Dead Island people. Dead, Island, Dead Island. Dead Island to me, you're a Dead Island fan. Um, Dead Island to me always seemed like a nice idea, but didn't quite get there for me. Um, it was a lot of great ideas pulled off reason- reasonably well, but not perfectly executed like I would want them to be. Uh, so for that reason, I thought Dying Light was basically going to be like the same old thing. Because you hear that the people who make Dead Island are making a game about you being trapped in an area with a load of zombies. You would be forgiven for thinking they would end up pretty much being the same thing. But that's not really the case with Dying Light. So the first kind of real time that Dying Light came across my radar was a fuck up with the shipment of the game the physical shipment of the game so um if i can get to it here i'm sure it is on the um the my apologies for this um where is it the there, there was a problem do you remember the oh yeah here we go sorry on the 17th of January 2015, because I wanted to get this right, hmm. uh, Techland announced that the physical copies of Dying Light had been delayed due to an unspec- uh, to an unspecified date due to a longer lead time than digital. Uh, the delay affects Middle East, Asia, Australia and Europe. Techland announced that games will still be available digitally on the scheduled release date. On the 24th of January 2015, Techland announced that physical copies of Dying Light will be uh, available in the affected regions from the 27th of February. Uh, and along with that uh, some of the pre-order bonuses were made free with that game if you held on to your pre-order and didn't cancel it which we did so like what happened was the game was delayed so I wasn't going to be able to get it the day it came out that was fine because I had no intention of getting it but the idea that this news story had come out made me think of the name Dying Light it put it across my radar but what happened then was it came out in the States because the States weren't affected by this it's come out in the States and people in games journalism started covering the game and people I trust particularly the one I was thinking of here was Colin Moriarty uh, from Kind of Funny um, he is not someone that would strike me as enjoying this type of game like mm-hmm. his games are like he's the guy I always tell you about who still like fucking bangs the drum and says Resogun is by far the best game that's been on PS4 and nothing else has come close Right, um, so that's that's the kind of thing he's into. Resogun, he's fucking loves Mega Man games, things like that. Right, so he's very old school sensibilities. Wouldn't cross my mind that this would be something he'd be massively into. And he turns around on a YouTube video and starts saying that this is a fucking brilliant game, right? Um, Giant Bomb come out and say this game's a hell of a lot of fun. You should try it out. I start looking into some of the marketing of the game and going, okay, this this actually seems like I might have a bit of interest in it. So I pick it up when it eventually comes out physically rather than buying it digitally. So when it came out physically, because I went, right, at least if I don't like it, I have something physical that I can trade in. This was before I really, like, I hadn't switched out my hard drive yet, so space was still a concern. 
and it was a kind of like I'll uh, I wasn't massively on the the digital purchases unless it's for smaller indie games at that stage. So I picked it up and rapidly, rapidly fell head over heels in love with this game. This was my favorite game of the the first part of last year, uh, I think. With the exception of maybe something like Axiom Verge, which came along about a month later or in around the same time, perhaps even. Um, this game came out. What it seems to do for people who had played both Dying Light and Dead Island, um, a lot of people seem to say like it. what it's done is it's taken some of the things that they're trying to do in Dead Island and it's actually pulled them off to completion. Um, I have never played a game before that utilizes like a free running mechanic better. Oh, the like... You finished Dying Light. I haven't. Yes. I played. I, I finished played. it, and I'm playing it through for a second time, which doesn't happen a lot with me anymore. I played Dead Island, and yeah. you haven't. Like the first and biggest thing is, I well, I found that really kind of like the tension is still there in both and the the screwiness. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Dying Light, you're much. Or sorry, in Dead Island, you're much tougher you're much more able to take on the zombies in combat. What you just have to worry about is being snuck upon, being swamped, and the special ones. Yeah. Those are what you're worried about. And that your weapon breaks in a fight. Like In Dying Light, you're much less tough. Your weapons are much less powerful. Yeah. They're much more agile and faster, and that's where your strength is goes yeah. into that's what you put your effort into yeah you're is being wily part of the combat and the combat is a great part of this game part of the whole combat system in it is that sometimes it's not better to be the stronger fighter it's better to be the smarter fighter oh yeah no absolutely like. sometimes and so like especially at night it is smarter to run or it is smarter to get to somewhere more open so that you're not trapped or something like that and to utilise the free running mechanic to get around and perhaps separate piles of enemies and take them out one by one or something like that. Um, so some of the things that grab me about this game, um, the combat system, like I said, I really enjoy. Um, I really enjoy the the visuals of like cracking the zombies with it, like you know when it goes to slow motion X ray shots mm. of like it breaking the the skull and whatever. Um, I in enjoy a less that. elaborate way, that was still in there in yeah. Dead Island. Like the combat is very similar. Like I mean, my big problem was always like aiming with a melee weapon. Where I I did a lot of, and I still doing this, and it's it's a lot more uh, of a thing that I get punished for. And this is that I swing at a zombie and hit him in the shoulder. Uh, yeah, uh, you. What I will say about that is, after several hours, because there's no real aiming reticle, nothing no. like that. But what it is is, you get used to where you have to tilt the right stick to swing it at their head. Yeah. Whereas, like, I'll pretty much, unless they are actually reaching up their arms to try and grab me, I will crack them in the head every single time. Well, you've seen me play it. Like, yeah. I pretty much hit headshots every single time I try with melee weapons. Not so much with the guns, because, like, you know. I am a, I, like once I maybe when I get back into it I'll be Mr. Headshots again with the guns but I, I tend to like I said to you I tend to use guns as little as possible in that game for those opportunity uh, those occasions where I'm stuck outside at night or something like that where shit gets real bad and I need guns um, also uh, like like all good zombie games should have if you use bullets it the noise draws them um, among the other things like the visuals of the game it's a fucking gorgeous looking game uh, it looks absolutely stunning I can understand just looking at it the size uh, the visual fidelity of the game why they decided they can't do an Xbox 360 and PS3 yeah. version 
uh, completely understandable there. Like, unfortunate for people who don't own those consoles, but like that's the way of the world. Like, Dying Lo- uh, Dead Island was a much more kind of, um, it was much more colourful. Like, the setting was a much more colourful tropical location. That like, so There was a lot more sunlight in that, but there was a lot more colour in it. It was a lot more kind of video game graphics. Yeah. If you know what I mean? It, Whereas this at, is, like, rich and realistic. And gritty kind of. and dark yeah. and scary, like. But also it has its brightness to it. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. they, when you're going through the kind of like favela kind of areas of it and stuff like that, like the colours pop. Uh, the sun looks great. They, when you get out towards the water as well, it looks gorgeous. Um, it does have its own, like it does definitely have that grim and gritty and dark feel to it. Like especially when you're like, when you're parkouring through abandoned buildings or kind of uh, collapsing buildings and stuff like that, it, it definitely has that grim and uh, dour feel to it. But um it just is visually sumptuous sort of game like it did just it just fucking looks great um like we said about the the parkour um completely peerless when it comes to a free running mechanics in a video game um i've never had uh, like at first it's kind of tough to get used to that it's uh, r1 or right bumper to jump but once you get over that after the first couple of hours once you get over that it becomes intuitive it becomes part of the the whole thing and like i, I suppose with the PlayStation 4 like if you really were bothered about that you could always just map that button to wherever you think jump should be um but like it's great uh, like it's it's it, the free running mechanic is just forgiving enough mm. that it's challenging without ever being really frustrating mm. right and the different things you can do where you have to like it challenges you to not only be careful about what you're trying to jump to but to be very wary of what it is you're jumping onto what I mean by that is sometimes you can jump onto a roof and you have to be very careful of what material that roof is made of because sometimes if you drop onto a roof from a certain height and it is not a corrugated metal roof you will fall through it and there could be a zombie underneath it and you are fucked right Um, the other thing then as well as like we said making sounds draws them so crashing through a roof is going to draw any of them in the area Uh, when you're jumping down onto the ground you need to look for either the roof of a vehicle to cushion your jump or like a load of trash bags or something like that something they show you the kinds of things in the tutorial period of the game that you're able to jump onto that muffle the sound so the zombies don't notice you're there unless they're looking directly at you you know what I mean Um, there's a nice uh, variation similar to um, Dead Island in the kind of the, the, the grades of zombies that come up whether it's the the normal walkers or the the spitters or the the heavies and then there's those uh freaky fucking fuckers uh i can't think of their names that uh like like there's a difference in how you approach it as well like because like in dead island when like i would be coming like say like you had your kind of your checkpoint save areas and that like and you'd go and you'd craft your weapons and repair your shit and that like and you'd build create craft your med packs and then go out and do shit and like i would find that you know i'm coming down the street right there's a street here i have to go from point a to point b there's some zombies in this street right limber up and i'll fuck their shit up and there's like 12 zombies in the street you know and mm. you move right you use your your kick to counter and you, sw- you aim right and you mow them all down like unless you fuck up set off a car alarm or something like that or, or make do allowed do something loud usually okay you'll mow through to move on to the next spot if you're smart mm-hmm. in dying light you don't do that shit no you, you're, you you're, your stamina would be burned up just trying like, to get rid of and one there particularly was, there was one. stamina in dead uh, in dead island as well but mm-hmm. at the same time and uh, like you did run out of stamina and do your, and end up doing feeble blows and having to back off but it was a lot more forgiving because it was a game where it wanted you 
to do the combat. The combat was your primary method of getting from A to B. Mm. Shitting away, you got it out of the way. Yeah, whereas I would say, like, the primary motivator in Dying Light is to survive. Yeah, you're not there to fuck up zombies. Yeah, there's no... Uh, you can't go into an area, clear out the zombies, and that's all the zombies gone in that area. No, 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 no. No, like, de- no, like de- 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 Dead Island... But I mean, some games are like that. I yeah, Dead Island didn't do that. Like, I mean, you might have to... If you did that in that street, you'd have to do it the next time you went down that street. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, no, it wasn't that kind of sense. It was just, it was... It was a zombie combat game. A zombie fighting game. Yeah. If you will. As opposed to this, where it is like discretion is the better part of valor in dying light. Like you know, you got to get to point A to point B. You got to, as you say, you've got to be smart yeah. about it. Know wh- the situations in which you should fight, and know the situations in which you should run. Yes. Um, some of the other things I really like about the game, uh, like I said, the, the the crafting mechanic actually I find quite simple. Very similar. Um, a little bit more. Again, like I mean. By the time I was like about halfway through uh, Dead Island, I was running around with like a massive fucking side-looking cane shears that was electrified. Yeah, you know, uh, and I was literally I was fucking doing shit up here, like you know. At the same time, I've got an electrified piece of metal pipe as my my best weapon at the moment. Yeah. Uh, in it, I'm like it's good, but it's much more unforgiving in terms of the weapon degradation and the limits on repairs. Uh, which wasn't in uh, Dead Island that like so oh yeah you you get caught with that yeah uh, so it's 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 similar again like in the kind of sense that you know you were saying that there was good ideas executed adequately it, but with space yeah, for more a lot of the, the theme of this review shall we say or this book club feature is going to be um, how Dying Light is the game they wanted to make when they made Dead Island. Yeah, kind of is, is where I'm. Like, I mean, it's it's a lot. It has a lot more in common with, say, a sur- hor- survival horror game. Yeah, like where a, good, it, a good Resident Evil game. Like the idea, game. the idea is not that you become some kind of zombie killing machine, and that you can then go out not with like because you couldn't go out with impunity. Yeah. in Dead Island, no matter how tough you got, like. Um, but that you know every single time you go out on those streets in dying in dying light you you are taking your life in your hands you, it's not going to get easier you might get smart you might get more practice more experience and you might get have better ideas about how to do with th- deal with things and situations but it's not going to get any less dangerous like it, it, like there were points where like you know to, up to a certain point in Dying Light I could look at a situation and go yeah no I can handle this I was not a f-. I put it like this we both got the game at the same time we started playing at the same time I played up until the first time you're stuck out at night and yeah. I put it down and I stopped playing it for a long time because it was too fucking intense yeah it was too much no I like my me nerves. Dave, me nerves couldn't handle me nerves couldn't handle it. Like I would just As it was documented on this very episode about you when things get too intense. Like I just I like You could never camp. I no. <laughs> um this this is a game where I, I knew at that point where this is not a game I'm ever gonna get comfortable playing. Yeah. This is not a game where yeah there's challenges but once I, I feel I've I've gotten my upgrades yeah. from my side quests yeah. and that like, you know, I was never gonna be tough enough or strong enough or well equipped enough to comfortably move around and then just have trouble with the really tricky bits yeah you know whereas for me it was like i got 
I got upgrades which help a lot, but it was all about me playing the game enough to get to the point where I'm smart enough to feel like I can walk around with imp impunity. Like again, like I said to you earlier on, the very first decision I made in that game, having gone through a couple of missions in it, is that unless I absolutely had to because a mission was forcing me to, I never went out at night in that game. Mm. Because you learn very quickly that things get a lot more out of control at night because your range of sight is very, very poor. It's a very realistic nighttime. You can see about as far as your torch will let you and maybe like if there's something on fire in the background, which there frequently is in Haram, uh, you can see some other shit then. But other than that, like there are some big bads that don't come out during the day that just come out at night. But there are several missions like throughout the game that force you to go out at night. But apart from that, like I was very much uh, daytime because I can manage, I can see my surroundings and stuff like that. And I can get to a safe zone easier. Um, like like that that first time you're at night time, like uh, when it, it, it all kicks off, like I just basically, I just screamed. I screamed from the moment it began to the moment I got back to the safe house. I just screamed. <laughs> I was literally just mashing the jump button. Literally, my, I practically broke the left analog holding down sprint and I screamed I wasn't tactical I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't master myself enough to think smart yeah. that's why you you got the trophy pot for spending X amount of time outside at night without getting chased or caught or yeah that, like. I managed to spend a whole night outside and I didn't yeah because your that trophy pot was for specifically not going into a corner vision and getting noticed and chased yeah, I just and for like surviving the night like without yeah. having to go because you can go to a safe zone and go into your bed and go to sleep and it becomes daytime Yeah. so I was able to get through a night time outside in the wild without being killed well, not, it wasn't even killed it was noticed it, yeah. was, it was spotted and chased yeah. whether or not to get caught because remember I didn't, I didn't get that trophy pop because yeah. I was just I literally just right I am here there's a straight line from where I am to where it's safe and I ran like the fucking clappers yeah uh, I just I like I mean I I couldn't see that that and that's when I stopped playing not because it was bad not because I didn't like it not because I had a problem with the game it was almost too good it was it got you too, too realistic it. it was yeah, yeah. too like and I just like and then I realized that that realized that only some of us nerds come to that when the zombie apocalypse happens you will be no use I will be of no use I will just oh man like I mean I'll just stay in the safe zone and, and, and board up shit and I'll be good at that you'll be the quartermaster uh, yeah. at the shop there and I, it gives me the stuff to craft my weapons you can with. you can fuck off outside and go running around with the zombies I'll man. save Haran you, you can save Haran I'll save myself Um. yeah I really enjoy the story in this game I thought the story was intriguing with yeah. all the politics between different groups and the, the kind of guy you learned uh, who becomes your antagonist uh, rise um, I enjoy that I think you haven't come to it yet but I think the story comes to a very fruitful and satisfying conclusion mm. um, I think there's there's one bit in the game that I found very frustrating and it's the war you watched me play it I think obviously it's months ago you won't really remember it that well unless I, like I started talking about it, like there's one super heavy enemy that doesn't you don't come across it in the open world you come across it in this situation where you find yourself unarmed and in a pit like that bit in Far Cry 4 where you're in the pit and have to fight off waves of things but you have to fight off waves and waves of zombies uh, with just shit you find around and there's fuck all like there's one there's one or two bits of rebar and then there's like real shit weapons 
and then this super heavy thing comes in and you have to try and kill it while more zombies are still pouring in that's the only bit I found like kind of like the difficulty curve went up ridiculously uh, and I didn't see the need for that to be in there um, but apart from that like I don't really have any grievances with the game no. at all there's nothing I can point to the only thing I can point to about my experience with the game that I didn't uh, really enjoy the first time around like I'm playing it the second time around now is that the first time I played it uh, some of the trophies were glitched so I was if the trophies hadn't been glitched I would have been able to get the platinum without really breaking a sweat that much because that's how much I played the game that I got that good at it mm. Um, and the fact that they were glitched really annoyed me because I was like uh, you know I, I think my trophies are only like just over two thirds of the way there but all the rest of the trophies would have fallen like dominoes once I got the the next couple that followed the rest of them were all those kind of, dominoes fall like House uh, of Cards Dave there's one like there's, there's some of them are just time consuming like there's one called This Is Haran which is just for kicking people off roofs Um, like you know uh, that, that like, and that's really a small thing because there's only a real small subset of people that actually care about trophies and I acknowledge that but um, yeah and I absolutely think this should be on our game of the year list and I'll be fighting hard for this when it comes to the end of year special I think it's an absolutely sublime game I think it's one of the best first person survival horror games I've ever played it's probably I'm like I'm really struggling to think it's probably the best zombie themed game I have ever played like I suppose narratively Walking Dead season 1 does a better job it's a more gripping story but in terms of like zombie game where there's actual like significant uh, amounts of combat yeah, see here, here is like because I'm just starting thinking on it there like because thinking like back to playing Solomon uh, yesterday yeah uh, I enjoyed that was uh uh-huh but like you know typically I find with those survival horror games like that really nail the horror part yeah they're not very proactive kind of games they are very much they're low on the how interactive you are with the scenario bar walking yeah I I see what you mean there like it's, it's a lot of games make the decision whether they're going to focus on and excel at atmosphere or gameplay mechanics yeah very rarely is there a game that does but like for instance like I mentioned earlier on the podcast Silent Hill 2 which has the best atmosphere that has ever been in a game ever and I'll stab you in the face if you say otherwise (laughs) Um, but at the same time the combat is ridiculously unwieldy yeah, the game uh, and that action. adds to it. Yeah, because it makes you panic in those situations. But like, like, like Soma, like me, panic because there was nothing I could do. Yeah, I had, I had not yeah. had a fuse tester. Uh, you know, I like, I mean, I didn't even have like in some games. I have. I'm trying to think. Is it? Is it condemned? Where no, it's something else. Where I played something where your torch is basically your only weapon. Like, you know, and you're you. It's it's basically you clock things in the head with your fucking torch. Yeah, and that's that's what you got. Like, you know, where you feel under equipped and that like. But not where you can proactively kind of respond to the situation. Yeah. Or that you're literally, it's, it's and not in a negative way, but it's almost like kind of, you know, the, the corridor effect of Call of Duty or a game like that, you know, where you're literally just, you're moving through their carefully crafted house of horror or amusement ride, mm. you know, in a good way. Because yeah. when they nail the atmosphere, that's all you care about. Yeah. This is like you said, like with the with the emphasis on combat, it it perfectly almost marries the heavy atmosphere, the the perfect kind yeah. of survival horror atmosphere with a very proactive game. What it is is it it mirrors what a zombie apocalypse would be really like, in as much as untold horror is going on around you at all times, 
but if you can stop take a breath and think cl- like cleverly about what is happening you will survive and I really can't yeah like it really challenges you to like adapt to the horror get properly immersed and fucking just like just bite and claw and scratch to stay alive because there are ways to do it like like I said I avoid going out at night but I can survive at night like I got that trophy I can survive at night I know there are ways to I operate during the daytime where possible because I would prefer to I have an easier time of it um, that is a conscious decision I make and the game allows me most of the time to make that decision but like I said it is a kind of thing where that's the night time is where I come closest to losing my chill and not being able to actually think straight about my strategy um, whereas like you saw me the not the time I did it recently but the first time I did that thing where I avoided all the cones of vision that was because I didn't panic I thought about it and I was able to strategically weave in now because those cones move fucking quick as well that's the other thing um, but yeah like that is it is absolutely one of the games of the year uh, it's the sleeper hit of the year because I don't think anyone is fucking expecting it. like I think even The Witcher which we said before um, like was the first one of that series to really cross over and have massive fucking success I think even that game though I remember the hype before that game came out people were saying this was going to be one of the games of the year this one came out of fucking left field came out of absolutely nowhere and I love when a game does that where it can pleasantly surprise you and steal your steal your fucking heart away the the one that did it the previous year was Shadow of Mordor where that game looked like fucking muck before it came out it was like this oh look they're pissing on Tolkien's grave again for a quick book uh, and then that came out and that was game of the year you know like I love when that kind of shit happens and Dying Light was real like I said it's very rare that I will go back and play a relatively recent game the only game I have replayed through to completion from the last few years uh, multiple times is Bioshock infinite because i got that plot i have played that game through i think four times to completion now um so like that that, and like that is my favorite game of last generation so for me to go back to dying light uh makes me think not only is it one of the best games of the year but it's one of my favorite games that has come out this generation at all because the second playthrough yeah part of the second playthrough i'm doing now at the moment is for the trophy run i'm getting that fucking platinum part of it as well is because I was like wow that was a real fucking pimp game I really enjoyed that shit I want to go back and I want to do it again and again and again um, well, so yeah it's you think, well, you think as well like as well like, kind of how we're describing that like I mean the the level of freedom to interact with the world mm. is on a pretty impressive fucking level yeah um, there's so much to do around there like between side quests and kind of just how alive Haran feels despite being full of dead people how you interact with it because I mean like you and I both played The Witcher well we didn't enjoy The Witcher but I mean at the same time the difference in our experiences with The Witcher there's not that much variation there can be yeah there is a bit everybody hated you yeah everybody hated everything but like in this I'm pretty confident we're both having completely fucking different yeah but like the thing is like you use like your shit there death screaming running around in the dark whereas like I never really lost my cool like I never felt like I could there was a situation like, like I that, couldn't that, that very highly that very, would very strongly affect my decisions and my ability to make decisions and my, yeah. therefore my movement my ability to say I'll hop up on that I'm just like <laughs> yeah. like you've seen me clear out, and one of the cool challenge things that's in there because this is something like, like a, there's side quests and stuff like that to build up your skills but there's also these like challenge rooms called quarantine zones which are like my favourite part of it where there are these like vacuum sealed almost houses 
I watched that pop up around. Yeah, you watched me go through one of the expert ones, didn't you? Where like you basically go into this large house, and it's fucking filled with zombies, and you don't know where they're coming from or what type they're going to be. There are a couple of types I haven't spoiled on yet because there's one that I remember you nearly jumped through the fucking ceiling when you saw it on my screen because you hadn't you obviously because it's only about halfway through the game you find them and they're very rare even then but there was one of those and you flipped your lid so I don't want to spoil that but like there are different challenges like you basically have to go around the house and find the thing in the house like the fucking MacGuffin in the house and kill every single zombie in the house while you're doing it to clear out the quarantine zone and I find those really interesting challenges but again you remember you saw me go through one of the because they range in difficulty from easy up to expert and you saw me go through the expert one, that big, massive one, big, massive manor house in, like, the last area. And you watched me go through that, and, like, I didn't lose my chill, did I? Like, that, and that's because that's the way I play through that game. It's like, I never felt like I was in trouble. Because I always said, well, there's always a way out of this. There's always something to pick up. There's always a way to trick the slow ones. Or there's always a way to kind of focus my attacks or bottleneck them into a room or something like that so I can whack them off one by one. Whack them off one by one, Jesus. Anyway, so that I can dispatch them, shall we say, one by one um, and clear out the house. Um, so, uh, absolutely brilliant game from start to finish. Really, really fucking enjoyed it. Um and like you just really tenaciously played it like it like i really fucking tore through that game. that game i really did um absolutely loved it uh the right length it didn't go on too long i didn't feel like i was robbed by how short it was either like it, it felt like it went on the perfect amount of time uh, looking forward to getting back into the dlc when the the sizable following dlc arrives uh, in mid-february i think uh, so really looking forward to getting that um, I need to dig around with the Bozak Horde the Horde mode that was the, the first part of the DLC and some of the, the parkour challenges that were dropped in as part of the season pass as well but um, if I were to sum this up now as we finish and just say like an elevator pitch for the game uh, if you like zombies if you like survival horror uh, if you like um, combat that involves an element of strategy the, more than an element. Yeah, okay, if you enjoy combat, that, melee combat that involves strategy um, in an immersive open world, uh, Dying Light is the game for you. And it is really like some people, I, I imagine some people that listen to this podcast regularly. Uh, I'm not going to name, I'm not going to name names of the, the games, but I would say that there are people listening to this podcast that probably have what we're going to vote uh, for game of the year down to one or two games. But it's an open race, if you ask me, as long as uh, Dying Light is there. Dying Light is a very, very strong contender for the game of the year. Um, has Mark it? I don't think he has. I don't think he has. Uh, I must see if Jack has played it either. Um, but like we certainly have, and I'll start, I'm going to be fighting in Dying Light's corner for absolutely certain to make sure that even if it doesn't become a game of the year, that at least it gets far enough through our rounds of arguments that it's definitely up there because it is it's a fucking brilliant experience and it's great to see someone like a studio who had obviously tried a couple of times to make this game this game was clearly in them all along based on you were saying like the, the similarities between Dead Island and Dying Light and getting to see them finally fucking perfect it and get the, the plaudits they deserve for it because it genuinely like the games awards like we, we listed out I don't think Dying Light was on there at all was it but like it really should uh, factor in a lot of like IGN or Giant Bomber GameSpot or one of those it really should factor in in Game of the Year quite a bit there if you ask me uh, so that's the pitch and that's really the end of the 
book club for this week yeah and the marathon podcast uh, it just remains for me to say what our uh, game of the year book club uh, episode will be about next week and that is a game near and dear to my heart a game i've rabbited on about for months on end a game whose creator i vehemently and violently almost defended earlier on this podcast doa next week we are going to be dissecting and praising and lauding and uh, criticizing where appropriate uh, Metal Gear Solid 5 The Phantom Pain I'm hopefully going to call in the cavalry to get a certain party who may have held me out before talking about Metal Gear uh, to talk about this uh, but that remains to be seen I need to talk to the man himself uh, to make sure that gets sorted but um, until then I suppose we'll sign off for now Uh, do go to linktothecast.wordpress.com uh, follow us on Twitter at link to the cast. Go to facebook.com forward slash link to the cast. Our email address, because we, we do want to email. I actually haven't checked the email account this week to see if anyone did email us in. So I apologize if anyone has. Um, please do uh, get in touch. Talk to us about things you want to see from Game of the Year, things you just want to see in the podcast, things you like, things you don't like. Um, come to go to the email link to the cast at gmail.com. Please find us on iTunes uh, or your pre- favorite podcast provider, whether it's SoundCloud or Downcast, any of this kind of shit. Go find them on there. Uh, download us. Give us a five-star rating. Helps with our search engine optimization on there. We were back on the new and noteworthy podcast there the other week, Brian. We so, yeah, we were back on the new and noteworthy podcast for video games uh, for the second time. Uh, so that was good to see. I really appreciate that from everybody who has been downloading through iTunes. Um um yeah we got some content going up uh, the next couple of days i've put up a couple of streams of uh vice city this podcast will obviously be going up um i'm thinking of doing some write-ups when it comes towards game of the year Um, there might be a couple of games we don't get to so i want to really kind of do a write-up if we can't talk about it on the podcast i'd like to at least have something published about the game so people can understand where we're coming from before they get before we get into it um so all that remains is uh, for Link to the Cast, I have been Dave Ryan. You, sir, have been Brian McNamara, I, I think. Have. You have? I'm not sure. I don't remember. You have? Yeah, it's been a long two and a half hours or so. Um, and Mark Robinson has been China. Um, <laughs> not the wrestler. But uh, yeah, we'll uh, catch you again in a while. So uh, goodbye, folks.